It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It's just gone 7 o'clock here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock tonight. Coming up on the show, we are going to be joined by Campbell Burns uh, from Rugby News Magazine at around 7.30. Uh, we're going to look at uh, the NPC so far, look at the games coming up this week, and also look at the All Blacks who have been listed and released back to the club. Um, so... Uh, back to the regions, I should say, and uh, be available for this round. Uh, that's going to make uh, for some interesting selection choices for some coaches. And I tell you what, counties uh, are going to be certainly looking a lot stronger in the loose forwards as a result. But we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, we should uh, also, after 8 o'clock, catch up uh, with Philip Rollo from stuff.co.nz, who's uh, one of the leading football journalists in the country. We'll talk to him about the building of the Phoenix squad ahead of the season. Tomorrow night they play a round of 16 game in the Australian Cup against Melbourne City. Uh, we'll get his take on uh, the way that the club are going on uh, about recruiting for the coming season. And uh, we'll also maybe uh, touch on as well uh, the under-20 women's. Uh, Chris Milicic is also going to join us and uh, Millie is going to uh, profile the and preview the upcoming Chatham Cup semi-finals, which are this weekend. We'll do that. We'll have Rumble on the radio after 9 o'clock, uh, including Anson Wainwright from Ring TV. He is out of the UK. He's going to talk to us about AJ versus Usyk, the big heavyweight bout this weekend. And uh, looking forward to chatting to him and get his take on where that fight is going. And then uh, after 10 o'clock, uh, we'll take some calls. We'll talk some more rugby league. Uh, and uh, we might even talk some more football as well. Brad has just texted and said, Ricardo, if you were to buy Man United, how would you change things? That's a great question, Brad. Well, I would stop taking dividends out of the club for a start. Uh, I'd clean house in the football department. There's too many chiefs, not enough Indians in there, as the old saying goes. Uh, and I don't know, I'm not sure what most of them do. I would sit down with uh, Eric Ten Hag if he is the man to take the club forward. And I would say, okay, what's your vision? How do you want to play? How do we get there? I'd maybe go back to Ajax as well and hit up Edwin van der Sar, the former Manchester United keeper, who was the director of football there. You need someone like that, a footballer, to run a uh, you know a, the direction of things. Because at the moment, it's all been run by bankers and they haven't got a clue. Uh, that is for sure at United. So those are a few things, Brad, that I would do. Um, keen to hear what you would do if uh, you were in that situation. You can text us, of course, double eight double three double eight double three is the temper bed post text line, or you can call us 0800 0800-150-811 for anything that you want to put forward there. Now, I did see a story come out. Of course, uh, it is naming day for all the squads for the NRL, and Bradman Best has uh, been left out of the. Uh, 
of the Knights lineup. He's been dropped from the Knights for, for the Canberra game this weekend, and so has Inari Tuali, uh, Tuala, who have been two of their better players, both in the centres, of course, which is uh, going to cause them a few problems. Dane Gagai and uh, uh, Christian Mapapalangi are going to be playing in the centres for the Knights this weekend instead. Being said that they've been dropped because of conduct unbecoming to a member of the club. Um, or some, something to that effect. I mean, you, you pair that up with the Kurt Mann and Kalen Ponga scenario and you wonder if the two are related. We will see. And we'll talk more about that a bit later on as well. Uh, interesting to see that the Warriors have named an unchanged 17 for their match against the Cowboys this weekend. And uh, that would suggest that Stacey's pretty close to uh, getting his best team on the park or finding out who, what, he, what he thinks his best team looks like. Um, so they've gone with Reese Walsh at fullback, Dallin Watini Zelezniak and Ed Cossey on the wings, uh, Vai Liami Valia and Marcelo Montoya in the centres, Dejan Arce at six, Sean Johnson at seven, Adam Fanua Blake, Wade Egan, Tohu Harris, the front row, Ewan Aitken, Jack Murchie, the uh, second row is Bunty R4, as the lock, Freddie Lussick, Tom Ale, Elisa Katoa, and Josh Curran off the bench. Uh, the 18th man is Chanel Harris DeVita. They're hoping he's going to be recovered from a knee injury, and um, and hopefully he'll be available uh, this weekend. So interesting to see uh, that that is where the Warriors have uh, gone. And Stacey Jones uh, was talking earlier today about the team naming and uh, the week ahead. Yeah, it has been. Um, a few guys, um, majority of the team went back on Saturday and the boys were families and that uh, went come back on Sunday. So, um, yeah, but the certainly the mood is a, a, a bit different after, um, after winning compared to what happened um, a couple of weekends ago. Well, how you build on it is you sort of ask for much of the same. You know, I've, I've said that we're not going to change a hell of a lot. We do as far as how we're playing the game. Like our attack, I thought, was was pretty good on the weekend. Probably just need a little bit of polish. And our attitude to to defend um, was really good. So we've got to come with that same attitude every week. Um, the beauty of this week is, you know, we've got, you know, 17 players that played on the weekend all available. So we don't have to think about, um, a lot of change within the group and when you can have that and keep things consistent certainly helps the, the team I obviously he um, he knows um, he hasn't had a year that um, has been consistent like like the whole team and I've felt that you know the last you know um, six weeks since we've um, you know been able to come home and Sean has felt better within himself that you know he's playing better football so um, but again, he's one of those players that you, you got to do it every week. Um, you know, I thought last week he come up with you know um, a couple of errors, but the beauty with Sean when he come up with those errors, he was able to fight his way out of it and come up with some really good plays for the team. Oh, look, I just want to see some mental toughness. You know, like last week we used the word attitude um, let us down. You know, against uh, South Sydney, so I want to see us turn up with an attitude to, you know, have a real go. Um, you know, it was so disappointing after the Souths game and then to see the performance on 
uh, Friday night back home, you know it's there. Um, it's just turning up with that right attitude. So I want to see that for the next three weeks. And, um, you know, because if you, if you get that right, um, you know, you're always going to be, um, you know, in a game of footy. You know, we spoke about after the uh, Tigers game that we're not going to have a, a, a crowd behind you. I think we played Parramatta. And um, we spoke about that, address it, and it's probably worth addressing again that, you know, we, we're not at home. Um, and what you do find when you're playing at home, what I found with this group is that they've had a really good, um, you know, resilience about them and, and an eagerness. So it's their job. And, you know, we've got to make sure that we take and what we're playing at home, that we, you know, take it away with us when we're on the road. So there you go. That is Stacey Jones talking about the team that he's selected, uh, the same 17, if you missed it, as started the game against the Dogs last week. Of course, the Cowboys might be a different prospect, uh, currently third on the ladder in the NRL. They did, they did lose last week. Uh, ben, what did you make of the team that Stacey named uh, as, a, as, a, as a Warriors fan, the number one Warriors fan, it should be said, ECNZ? Well, it's putting quite a bit of pressure on, but it's always good to see... Uh, when you can name an unchanged team in back-to-back weeks because it's quite a rarity for the Warriors. Mm. You know, it, that's what I was thinking. It, it doesn't happen very often. Um, the fact that he's sort of, you know, sort of saying, uh, you know, we want to see that level for the rest of the season. I mean, I know there's only three games left and they can't make the playoffs, but what is what is that telling the squad, do you think? I mean, there are a few that aren't going to be there, of course, next year, but is it putting everyone on notice? Well, in a way, because there's a few guys uh, that are not re-signed for next year. There's a few guys that are kind of being told uh, not to necessarily look elsewhere, but at the moment they're not in a rush to re-sign. So there's a few guys playing for the contracts here. There'll be a few guys probably playing for starting spots next year uh, in the Warriors 17. And it's something I've touched on before as a fan we can accept them losing, but you just want them to play well. If they can play well and lose, it, you can always uh, build on that. So uh, even if they lose to the Cowboys this weekend, we just want them to put on a good performance and actually play well in back-to-back weeks. Uh, it's not a big ask. So if they can put up a good fight against the Cowboys, and even if it's on the wrong side of the scoreboard, it will still uh, help the team going forward. Uh, say a couple of guys still playing for spots. You know, It would be great to see Dejan Arce play in the sixth again. I know he's kind of been... One of the guys are not in an immediate rush to re-sign. Uh, he touched on that last night, you know, but he can play in the centres as well. Mm. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm with you on that. We did touch on it last night. But, yeah, I mean, Cameron George has apparently made some comment that Dejan Arce is not going to be a warrior next season, which really surprises me because uh, he is so versatile. You know, he can play centres, can play six, can play fullback for you as well. And... Um, you know, they are losing a few. I know we've got a few coming in, but also losing a few, um, like Chanel Harris-Tavita, for example. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do in that space and where they go elsewhere, because I think Cinder's definitely a place that they could uh, they could look to invest. I, I don't think they've got Cinder's in this squad that would, you know, sort of other clubs would be breaking down the door to sign. So... I think centres is definitely a place that the Warriors could focus on. A little bit later on, we are going to be talking uh, NPC as well. Campbell Burns is going to join us from Rugby News magazine. We're going to look at the players that the All Blacks have released back to the provinces and look at the competition so far as well. Meanwhile, if you want to talk Rugby League, the teams are out. 
Uh, any big talking points for you, whether it's the Warriors or another team you support? 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811. Or you can text us double eight double three. It's thirteen past seven here on SENZ. It's eighteen past seven here on SENZ. Extra time, Ricardo Ball, with you through till eleven o'clock tonight. We are talking rugby league at the moment. The NRL, of course, all the teams have been named for uh, the coming weekend. And I see uh, Thursday night uh, we have another great game between. Uh, the well, the Panthers seem to have got a couple of Thursday nights in a row. They're up against the uh, the Bunnies and a couple of big names back for both teams. Uh, Campbell Graham's going to line up in the centres. Uh, Lachlan Elias is also back for them. And uh, Tylan May and Dylan Edwards back for the Panthers. Panthers still missing a few, but starting to get a few back as well. Viliami Kikau is uh, back too, but uh, still uh, no... Uh, Nathan Cleary or uh, Jerome Luai. So uh, Jamin Salmon and uh, Sean O'Sullivan continue on in the halves pairing there. Uh, the Warriors, of course, take on the Cowboys, as we mentioned. That's a, a back-to-back Friday for them. And then the game after that on Friday night is the Broncos up against the Storm. Uh, Jordan Pereira and Tyson Gamble back available for the Broncos. It looks pretty good, too, for the Storm. They're starting to get some more numbers back. Uh, looks like uh, Jaden Nikarima has been named back in the squad. Who's, uh, he joined last season. Haven't really seen a lot of him, but he has been out. Jerome Hughes is also back available for the Storm for that game Friday night. Probably uh, the one of the biggest names in the competition that hasn't been playing the last couple of weeks is Mitchell Moses. He was out with a broken finger. They thought he might be out for another couple of weeks, but both he and Bailey Simonson have been named back in that Eels lineup as well. Uh, they take on the Bulldogs, who also welcome back uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. this weekend for that Saturday afternoon clash. And the Seagulls take on the Sharks at around 7.30, and uh, the Seagulls have, uh, of course, no chance now of making the playoffs. They are done. And no Jake Trebojevic or Jason Saab this weekend either. Those guys are both missing. Uh, and Jake Trebojevic particularly is a, is a big miss for that manly pack. Aidan Tolman and Andrew Fafita and Matt Moylan all back in contention for the Sharks. So you'd have to think the Sharks would be favourites to win that one. The Roosters take on... Uh, the Tigers this weekend as well. And uh, not too much difference in terms of what the starting uh, 13 should be for the Roosters. But Ken Malmalo is back available again for the Tigers in this one. But you've got to think that the Roosters, the five-game win, uh, winning streak they're on, they should have too much. Uh, the Titans uh, take on uh, the Roosters, uh, sorry, the Roosters, the Dragons this weekend as well. That's also on Saturday. Francis Moller was back for uh, the Dragons. So is Jaden Sullivan. But uh, Big Tino and Toby Sexton are in for uh, the Titans, who, of course, uh, tipped up Manly uh, last weekend. And then uh, the Knights up against the Raiders. Well, the Raiders, they get Joseph Tarpany back and Nick Kotrick as well. Chance Nickel Klockstad is back uh, for the Knights. They do get Edric Lee, Heimel Hunt, and David Klemmer back. But as I mentioned earlier, Bradman Best and Nadi uh, Tuala are both out, being suspended by the club. And of course, they continue to play without 
the big star, Callum Ponga, has been suffering from head knocks, but he and Curtis Mann find themselves embroiled in more trouble. So, yeah, interesting. That's how the NRL round is looking coming up this weekend. Any standouts out of that for you, Ben, in terms of um, players you think are going to come in and make a difference to their team this weekend? Well, I think Latrell Mitchell is always going to be the, the the big one if he he's included in there. He always seems to make a big difference, and you we often see his impact. He's a kind of like a a similar mould to like Tom Travojevic in terms of the Manly Seagulls. You know, the, the never the same team uh, without him. Uh, I think Mitchell Moses should provide some sort of impact as well for Parramatta, and they will desperately need that. Uh, especially after last week's loss, uh, especially jostling for these uh, top eight positions on the ladder, because quite a few teams can still finish. I think, like I think it's like the Sharks and the Panthers is the only one which are pretty much guaranteed top four at this stage, and I think the rest of them can finish as low as eighth and finish as high as second at some of them. And I think it's the Sharks and the Cowboys and the Storms. So. Uh, any late inclusions you get at this time of the season, especially for, especially for starting players, is absolutely crucial. Yeah, you'd think the Raiders will win this weekend because they are the team that are ninth and the only other team that can make the playoffs. Um, to tell you what, the Eels, they need to win this game against the Dogs this weekend because their last three games of the season are the Dogs, then the Broncos in Brisbane, and then the Melbourne Storm. You, you can see a world where if they don't win this game against the Dogs, they lose those three games and then end up missing the eight. Remarkable, isn't it? It is, but that's the inconsistency of the Eels. I mean, the, like we've I've mentioned it a few times of the teams they've beaten this season, beaten the Panthers twice, beaten the Storm, beaten the Roosters, but they've lost to the Dogs, they've lost to the Tigers, uh, and they've had a shamozzle like they had last weekend against South, where they got held to a big donut. Yeah, well, the the other thing as well with that is that they were lots of people's uh, favourites this year too. Then uh, lots of people feel that this is their premiership window coming to an end, especially with. Lots of the players they've got departing. Reed Marnie, of course, going. Isaiah Papali'i, oh, God, who knows about that um, at this stage. Just just two of the many that are moving on, and who knows. Yeah, as well. Yeah, another one there, and it'll be very interesting to see how uh, they'll line up next year because, as I said, many people picked them this year to be the team to win. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they uh, certainly look to be struggling on that front. But keen to hear from you on that. Your standout game for this weekend from the NRL, which is the one that you can't miss, uh, give us a call, 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or double eight double three. There's a couple of couple of decent options in there. I mean, outside of the Warriors, of course, Warriors fans are always going to say the Warriors, and they take on the Cowboys. But that Thursday night game between the Rabbits and the Panthers, that stands out for me. Then the, the late Friday game, the Broncos and the Storm, should be a goodie. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think you can go past either. Uh, that uh, the rivalry between the Eels and the Dogs, and the Dogs have been in reasonable form. So uh, there's might be a uh, you know, and they did they did beat the Eels thirty six to four last time these two teams played, which was uh, just a complete boil over. And uh, I'm not sure uh, where that performance came from, but that seems to be what the Eels do. Uh, Eugene has called through on oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. G'day Eugene, how are you? Yeah, how are you guys? Look, uh, I suppose we're at the end of the uh, season for the NRL and for a lot of teams um, that have been um, getting used to getting a fair touch-up hidings like the Warriors uh, got a win and then you saw that with the Gold Coast Titans 
um, winning against Manly. So I think a lot of punters will be uh, looking forward to seeing if they can make some money um, before the big business end gets up with the um, you know the finals. But look, I'll be interested in the Warriors. Um, yeah, against the Cowboys, they by me um, one point, and then they lost by a point. Another couple of games they only lost by four, and then they lost by something like 11. So if you're going to give me plus 19 and a half, uh, the Warriors $1.90, you know, I think uh, I think that's the bet of the week. Uh, I also mm. like uh, in multi, uh, I love the fact you brought up about Parramatta. Yes, they did lose to the Bulldogs last time they played them, but after the Warriors thumped them, I would love Bulldogs to get thrashed by Parramatta, minus nine and a half. Um, so you, you've got Warriors plus 19 and a half, and then you've got Parramatta by double digits, uh, 10 points, $1.90. And I would say you could multi 13 plus the Roosters, tomato sauce, a dollar thirty eight, and that'll give you $5 on my multi of the week, guys. I'm looking forward to this week. I love Joseph Tarpany. Anytime try score a six fifty um, to score against his ex Knights team that he played for once. Hudson Young's been on fire, scoring like a a, a horse machine all year, like Josh Papali'i and Viliami Kickout. Uh, yeah, I'm interested this week, boys, and you know, good on the Warriors, good on the Titans. Yeah, it's good on the Titans. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Uh... I wouldn't mind backing the Titans against the Dragons to double up, actually, to be honest. And I'll tell you, the other one, you can get the Raiders at 13 plus two bucks against the Knights this weekend. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think there's, uh, there's definitely some money to be had in the NRL this weekend, Eugene. Cheers, bro. Yeah, that yeah, you're right about the Titans. Um, they definitely can. I think if you're taking the Titans, take them to lead at halftime, Titans all the way. Last time they played this team up at Magic Round, the Dragons should have won. Um, they were up by six, and the English centre uh, missed a kick to take it to an eight-point game. Um, the Dragons came back, drew that game, and won that game. So I actually thought the value was Raiders 12 and under um, in the weekend against the Dragons, and I probably see 12 and under uh, Dragons against the Titans. But I'm with you on the Titans. They played awesome, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. They played really well. Um, and you know it was good to see, uh, good to see them because I, you know, I really felt for Holbrook. He was a very good coach, but he was he, he just didn't seem to have be able to get the team firing. But they uh, they finally fired on the weekend. Uh, you got to love that. And, you, yeah, did you think the fact that the Warriors and the Titans are the last game uh, home game for the Warriors? So that should be um, by then they they might be a bloody cricket score, eh? Both yeah. those teams. The Warriors have got a good record against the Titans, eh? Yeah, they do. And it's back here too, right? It's at Mount Smart. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, who do you like to uh, win the NRL? Um, I, you know, uh, I, I think it's hard to go past the Panthers, especially once they get everybody back. Um, but you know yeah. who's, who's a smoky, who that no one's really talking about is the, is the Sharks. Nah. Yeah, the Sharks. Well, I'll be honest with you. I've told all my mates all year. They said, who's been the buyer of the year? And I said, Nico Hines. And the fact that um, Maddie Moylan, an ex-Panther, has still got it. Um, you know, and, 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 and young Braley out of dummy half. And, and, and they can just run teams off the park, can they, around the ruck. And then they've got size. 
Kalakai. Um, they got big, you know, Jesse Ramian. They're just battering Rams. And out wide, they always seem to score um, aerial tries in the air. Sensational. Yeah, mate, fantastic. Yeah, they're going, uh, going great guns. I'll tell you, the, um, uh, the thing that I think is, is going to be really interesting come playoff time is just to see where everything shakes up because it is so close, like Ben was just saying before. I think anybody from second uh, down to eighth can still finish in the top four or outside the top four uh, as well. So I think it's going to be, uh, you know, really interesting and that's going to be super important for a, like a team like the Roosters. If they can keep their run going, then, do you, uh, you know, you can't really write them off because um, Trent Robinson knows how to coach a team to win a premiership. So he he's, you know, I think in the mix. And, yeah, I know that Melbourne have been, very patchy for uh, by their standards this season, but they but, can't win it again. Honestly, the they, storm. I, I just don't think you can ever ride a Craig Bellamy team off. You know. Yeah, they've won enough. Hey guys, just I think you're right on Parramatta. Um, this is how I read Parramatta. Um, they they're a rocks and diamonds team, but they've proven they can beat the, the best team. Mm. The thing about the Rabbitohs also is that the Rabbitohs have owned Parramatta, so I don't think you can beat Parra up on their performance against. Um, the the Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs and the Roosters are probably two teams you don't want to play if it came to a knockout. Um, And they can probably win just outside the top two. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, mate. That's fair. It's a a good point. Yeah, and that's why it's hard to, you know, I'm a para fan, but hard to back the Eels to win this thing because they, you know, they're they're a different team week in, week out. So so like you said, rocks and diamonds. Uh, Well said, Eugene. Hey, thanks very much for your call, mate. Great to hear from you. Cheers, cheers. I'll, I'll ring up every week. Yeah, have a good one. Have, good luck for the punt this week too, boys. Yeah, cheers, uh, mate. Thank worries. you. <laughs> cheers, Eugene. Cheers. 29 away from 8 o'clock here on SENZ. When we come back, Campbell Burns from Rugby News is going to join us. We're going to talk some NPC. It's 25 away from 8 here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through to 11 o'clock. Uh, joining us from Rugby News is editor Campbell Burns. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm not too bad, uh, Ricardo. Not too bad at all. What did you make of the news uh, today that 14 All Blacks will be released to play in the MPC this coming weekend? And uh, who do you think benefits most? Yeah, it was great. Um, great to see 14 come back, although I'm not sure why Patrick Tuipalutu and Angus Tauvao are not playing for Auckland, uh, given they weren't involved in the 23 uh, last weekend. But I, I do see that Roger Tuivasa-Shek is... Uh, is going to play for Auckland, his long-awaited debut. Um, as for who benefits the most, it's uh, well, it's hard to say because they've. Uh, if you look at Counties Manukau, who have got three all-back forwards coming back for them, uh, two of them are going to be jet-lagged, uh, Papali'i and Tutu. So I'm not sure whether they'll necessarily start, but uh, that'll be good to, for Counties to have three uh, three of their big names back in the forward pack on Friday night against Waikato. Yeah, that'll be great for them. And Waikato must be looking at that and going, "Where's ours? Where's ours?" Yeah, well, I'm just uh, trying to think who could have uh, been released for them. Probably Quinn Tupaya, but he, uh, he he came off the bench. So I guess uh, those who who were involved in the in the 23 uh, for the most part wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be released. The um, that, did that change anything for you this weekend? I mean, because that that county's team have gone all right, haven't they? They went very close against Hawks Bay. They've beaten Otago, who have proved to be a pretty decent team. And Waikato, um, I, I think everybody thought that they would beat Northland by more than they did last weekend. So does this change how that game sits for you? Not really. I think it'll still be pretty tight. I mean, counties have shown a bit more starch 
this season. I mean, they beat they beat Otago, um, and then uh, in, in round one, and then uh, actually gave them, gave the Shield a really good crack. Or they were down 33-18, and they had that storming comeback late. So uh, yeah, there's um, there's a lot more for County's fans to to cheer about, and and this will certainly bolster their forward pack. So Waikato, who I think were one of the uh, one of the tournament favourites, really. Um, you know that they they drew with Hawks Bay first up, and then uh, yeah, as you say, they went they went with that flash in the uh, in the wet up in Fongaroo last weekend. So um, it's it's a big game for Waikato, um, but I think uh, I think they'll still be be good enough to win uh, against their Chiefs neighbours anyway. Yeah, and we see Stephen Pierafetta uh, is coming back. He's available for Taranaki against Canterbury at Pukakura Park on Saturday. Arvo uh, Canterbury also get uh, a player back in Braden Enor. Uh, what have you made of the the Naki so far this season, and how big a piece is he for them? Well, look, he was the Dwayne Monkley Medal winner last mm. year, so he was the best player in the, in, in the NPC. So that's a big a big game for them. Um, whether he plays fifteen or ten remains to be seen. But something's happened to Taranaki, the best side in the country last year, and they they started off zero and two this season. Um, I can't quite work out um, what's actually happened with them, but they got smoked uh, in Tauranga uh, by a rampant Seamers side on. On Sunday, um, so they would certainly welcome him back with open arms. But they're playing Canterbury, who are probably the form side. In fact, they're definitely the form side of the first two rounds. Uh, if you if you look at what they've done, I mean, they very strong forward pack. Uh, Cullen Grace on top of his game, um, and the rest of them just chiming in beautifully. So under new coach Marty Burke, they've uh, they've really made an early statement, Canterbury. So um, <laughs> it looks like a tough start for Taranaki, but they will welcome back. Yeah, he's a big piece for them, all right, mate. Um, the, there's also a game at the same time between Wellington and Northland at Porirua Park in Wellington. Dane Coles has been released to play for Wellington. I think we'll agree he looks like he needs game time. Uh, but interesting, too, that Northland get Jack Goodhue and offer Tawanga Farsi back as well. And as we said, you know, they went pretty well against uh, Waikato last week, so you wouldn't rule them out getting one up over the Wellingtonians. No, well, that's right. Well, they've certainly, uh, Marty Veal's come back from the USA and has certainly added a bit of um, starch to the Tanifa defence. Um, but uh, Tonga Farsi was actually due to play Lucid Prop uh, in that game last week, but I, I think he uh, he took ill, so he, he he didn't end up playing. But Jack Goodhue did make his comeback off the bench. Uh, he's been injured for a while, so whether whether they both start um, will be will be interesting. But if they do both start, then the Northland, uh, Northland would definitely be a chance because they haven't always performed that well, and in the uh, capital in recent years. Um, so Dane Coles, uh, back for Wellington, certainly needs a run. Um, you know, God, it's probably 15 years uh, since his debut for Wellington, and he's still he's still going. But, yeah, he's probably now the looking like the number three all-backs hooker, so he will need as much NPC game time as, as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, they've, they've kept him involved, the all-backs, isn't it? I was doing, working out his birthdays and the timing of the World Cup, and by my reckoning, he'll be 37. Uh, come the next World Cup, which I don't know. Uh, that that feels a bit a bit long in the tooth if you want to want to win a World Cup. Uh, you know, do, do you keep him in there just for his experience, or do you need to to be giving someone else a crack? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, he he just got to be on the field and and playing. He's had so many injury breaks, and I think he lost about a year with those concussion symptoms. Um, so. I guess it's. I mean, if his body's okay and he's still playing okay, I, I think he's probably living on all those four tries he got against Fiji last year <laughs> to a certain extent. But he he must be under some sort of threat um, from uh, from others outside the uh, the squad like Safo Almore and 
Kurt Eklund. Um, so, but I mean, we have written this Colsey uh, off before, and he's he's proven people wrong. So. Uh, I would hate to write him off uh, this early. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know that's 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 fair. Once bitten, twice shy, mate. Uh, the uh, the late afternoon kickoff on Saturday at four thirty-five. It's interesting we don't have a night game on Saturday, isn't it? Given that there's no test, but um, four thirty-five. Yeah, uh, well, they, uh, yeah. Look, I think the reason for that is the um, the Black Ferns are playing Australia in Christchurch, so uh, yeah, there's no there's no seven o'clock kickoff. So four thirty-five, as you say, in North Harbour, Tasman. Yeah, right, of course, yeah. No, but no All Blacks, but we've got a Black Ferns test on, that's what it is. Um, we've got yeah, that North Harbour-Tasman game. Now, Harbour, uh, they don't benefit from these All Blacks being released, but Tasman, boy, their uh, their wings all of a sudden look a lot, lot better, don't they, with Leicester Whanganuku and Sivu Reese? Yeah, well, it's, it's a funny thing. I mean, uh, the, the marker, the, the, the problem for them hasn't been on the wings. Uh, they've got guys like Maka Springer, the NZ20s player, so he may have to come off the bench. But, yeah, they've got a bit more firepower now because they haven't looked... Uh, too sharp in the first two games, uh, dropping that match to Otago on the weekend. Um, but um, Lester Whanganuki can obviously play centre as well, but mm. uh, he hasn't played for a while, uh, so he, he's certainly due a run. Uh, but North Harbour will not be easy. They they uh, they turned it on to beat the Turbos, uh, Tavita Lee, um, scoring three tries. So I suspect Sevi Reese, if he's on the right wing, is going to have his hands full with, um, uh, with Lee. And on the other wing... Uh, Mark Talia will against his old teammates will give Leicester uh, playing a nuka a bit of a hurry up as well. Yeah, it's going to be a great clash that one. Uh, Four thirty-five on Saturday, uh, Sunday, we've got the Bay uh, taking on Auckland at Eden Park. They've got Aiden Ross back, and of course, uh, some bloke called Roger Tuivasa-Sheck is going to make his Auckland debut. How how much are you looking forward to this? Finally, yes. Uh, I presume they'll play him at twelve. Although they have been playing AJ Lamb at centre uh, because. Bryce Heem's been injured, so whether Tuivasa-Sheck goes to 12 and Corey Evans goes out one, I'm not too sure, but uh, yeah, look, I mean, you know, it's about 12 months late, his, his mm. debut for Auckland, but it's a real chance because we he's only come off the bench in one test for the All Blacks, so we haven't been able to really judge him that much, and so really the last two months he's had about 40 minutes of football. Uh, so looking forward to that one in the John Drake boot um, against Babe Plenty, who really is uh, I think they've taken on the, um, you know, the philosophy of their coach uh, Mike Delaney, who was a very much a, a good uh, attacking number ten, and they, the way they moved the ball under the um, under the tower on the sun, and put seven tries on Taranaki was very impressive last week. So this, uh, even though Auckland have looked good for winning three, this will not be a, a straightforward encounter for them against the Steamers. No, that Bayside, um, I think, looked really good. In fact, last season. Uh, I, th- I think they probably flattered to deceive a wee bit. They, on paper, they looked a lot better than what we saw on the field, didn't they? So is this pretty much a continuation? Yep. I mean, they've, they've kept the core of that team together? Yeah, they have. I mean, they've got some good forwards in there and obviously bolstered by Aidan Ross now, but they've mm. got... Um, they, they, they're they putting Naito Akoi uh, on the side of the scrum. Um, so they've got a strong line out there because they've got Justin Sangster and Monaki Selby Ricketts. So they've got a really good engine room in there. Some good, some really good young players in behind. Uh, but you know, footballers like uh, Caleb Trask um, are in there, um, r- running well, chomming in from from fullback or, or ten, as the case may be, and kicking the goals. Um, they've got some pace out wide, so they, I mean, they certainly play with a bit of flair, the Steamers. Um, but they would obviously want a bit more consistency because we saw them drop the first game against Wellington. So, but if they, I mean, if they hit their straps, they'll be a threat, and I, I think they'll definitely make the. 
quarterfinals in that uh, odds conference anyway. Mm, yeah, it's uh, interesting how the it's going to be interesting to see how the new format plays out. Actually, uh, on that front, we should hopefully just get the best the best eight teams duking it out, which is what we want. Uh, finally, on Sunday afternoon, it's Southland versus Otago at Rugby Park. Uh, hopefully, hopefully nobody sets any fires this weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, that was bizarre, wasn't it? Um, the old fire alarm got stopping the game for thirty minutes. But, but why would you cook a cheese roll in a toaster rather than grilling it? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure whether that was the that was the reason there. But that, but I, I don't think that actually helped uh, Auckland too much because uh, Southland seemed to regroup and came back, and it was only a one point margin in the year. But in the end, but I, I, I suspect they'll make sure, uh, doubly sure, of all the corporate uh, facilities uh, down there at. Uh, at Rugby Park, anyway. Yeah, well, what's I mean, Southland have have been reasonably impressive this season. They're certainly not the easy beats they were a couple of seasons ago. What what's happened in Southland? Uh, do you think that's turned things around? Yeah, look, I, I think they've um, they've gone for a mainly um, a, a, a locals first policy. Uh, and they've got a couple of experienced old stags coming back. I mean, Josh Becuis, um captain and lock in the engine room. Robbie Robinson's come back. They've uh, they've actually got some really good players. Morgan Mitchell's come back from from Japan. Marty Banks is still running the cutter and kicking the goals. So there's some there's some decent players down there. And um, a lot of them, they're probably thinking they were going to get Ethan DeGroote for much of the season too. But uh, that looks as though it's no longer the case. But they've actually got some quite good players and certainly tough to beat down in Invercargill. So Otago know that every time they head south for that, uh, I think the Donald Stewart Memorial Trophy, it'll be a tough one. Yeah, it will be. They've got Josh Dixon back, though, Otago, uh, which will help them, and they've certainly gone all right so far this season, mate. Um, in terms of uh, Southland, there was a, a, a rumour, sneaky rumour doing the uh, the rounds that Damien McKenzie might end up playing for Southland this season, but obviously he's playing for Otago. Was there anything to that? Well, no, he, uh, uh, DMAC played, uh, played a club game for Woodlands uh, about mm. five weeks ago, and I think that was probably uh, because... His, uh, his family's down there, and, and Marty, uh, Marty McKenzie's brother lives and plays down there as well. So I think he just took the chance to play a club game there, but he was always contracted, I believe, to, to Waikato. Uh, so that's always come back to the Mulus. But uh, he is, uh, he does have certainly family roots down there, so one day maybe uh, DMAC, uh, you might see him in the Stags colours. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Now, um, of course, Cameron, I couldn't let you go without asking you the million-dollar question. Um, Mark Robinson's going to probably hold another press conference this week. Maybe this one will be about something. Um, who knows? Um, but what do you expect to happen? What's your take? Well, I mean, it's it's pure speculation. I mean, I, I mean, it's it's really hard to say. I, I would have thought certainly if the All Blacks had had lost and played poorly again, that would have been done and dusted for Ian Foster. But now they've. Uh, it's almost like this very good performance by the All Blacks has has painted them into a bit of a corner because you know what if they. If they sack him, then they've just sacked a coach who's had a very good victory. Um, if they don't sack him, are they, or are they saying, you know, this is just a one-off and they haven't the pattern of results over the last year hasn't been good? So um, my gut feeling is that, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, here's the thing. I've, I've got no oil, I have to say, uh, Ricardo, yeah, but no, uh, my gut right. feeling is that, my gut feeling is that he probably will stay. I, okay. And I think uh, what would have swayed that is the players coming out strongly in, in support of uh, Ian Foster.
Right. Okay. Interesting, mate. Hey, uh, remiss of me. I was I was on the on uh, I was on the internet and I hadn't scrolled down far enough. I've missed the game, haven't I? Because Mana were two Hawks Bay is four thirty five <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, boy, can't oh, yeah. forget that. Though. I mean, we're talking the derbies. That is uh, the, just about the derby to end all derbies in New Zealand rugby. Uh, the old Central Vikings partnership and Flower Fakatava. What they're going to give him forty? Brad Weber forty? Do you reckon the Bay? Oh, I suspect so. Uh, they've got so many halfbacks there at uh, the Magpies that. It's crazy depth. I think they go about four deep. Uh, but Follow will probably have half a game, whether he starts or comes off the bench. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. But I don't think it'll have any impact on the result. Uh, the Turbos uh, just haven't been good. They've shipped uh, 60 twice and 40-plus once as well. Uh, so I'm not too sure what's happening in Manawatu territory. I'm sure Mark Stafford may have some oil there. But, uh, yeah, look, uh, it'll be interesting to see Fakatava. You know, he's got to make a... A play to say he he could be the second All Black halfback because uh, at the moment Finlay Christie is looking like the man. So uh, you know it might be a big uh, big forty minutes for for Folau. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. All right, have a big weekend of footy on the way. Good stuff, Campbell. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. And of course, uh, the latest rugby news has gone no with squads and and everything in that for the NPC. If you want to uh, study up on that and uh, and get some good oil before you uh, before you head to the games and turn the tally on. Go well, mate. Awesome. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Uh, Campbell Burns here with us, the editor of Rugby News. It's 10 away from 8. NZ Safety Blackwoods take care of business with tools, engineering, safety, workwear, footwear, hygiene and packaging. Our black caps are back in the Caribbean and you can catch all the... It's five away from eight here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you right through till 11 o'clock this evening. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk some football. Uh, Philip Rollo is going to join us uh, from stuff.co.nz. He's the lead football journalist. He's been covering the Phoenix as they get ready for their round of 16 Australian Cup game against Melbourne City, which is tomorrow night. Been following their signings and the building of the squad as well, so we'll talk to him about that, what to expect from Melbourne City and what he makes of the way the Phoenix have built the squad. Uh, Ufuk Tale was speaking uh, today as well. We'll have some of that for you We'll also get Philip Rollo's take on the under-20 women's team at the under-20 World Cup and uh, their chances of getting out of the group. And Chris Milicic is also going to join us as well, former New Zealand under-20s coach, currently coach at Takapuna, to preview the Chatham Cup semifinals. All that and more to come after 8 o'clock here on SENZ. It's just gone 8 o'clock here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock. Tonight after 9 o'clock, we'll do some rumble on the radio talk, some boxing. Anson Wainwright is joining us from Ring Magazine in the UK and Ring TV as well. And we'll get a preview of that Anthony Joshua um, Usyk fight. That is going to be uh, a great fight this coming weekend. Uh, looking forward to that. You can catch it all on DAZN. We'll also talk some uh, local uh, fight uh, that are going on as well. There's a couple going on. I know Peach Boxing have got one going on. So of the box office. And uh, we'll look at a few other bits and pieces as well. Uh, right now, though, uh, we're going to talk football. Of course, the Phoenix, they are in the last 16 of used to be the FFA Cups, now called the Australia Cup. Uh, they beat Devonport City in uh, Tasmania earlier in the season, and I think it was the 3rd of August, that game. Uh, they won that game 4-0. A um, couple of goals from Ben Wayne. Oscar Van Haddam also got on the score sheet. And so did one of the new signings as well, Bozidar Krajev, a uh, Bulgarian who's played internationally for Bulgaria, played against France last year for the Bulgarians, actually, uh, and 
has been a fantastic pickup for the Phoenix. They have also signed Jan Sass, a Brazilian winger as well. That's just been announced. And uh, those players are both available for the game tomorrow night against Melbourne City. Here is what uh, coach Ufuk Tele had to say about the signing and about getting prepped for the game against Melbourne City in the last 16 of the Australia Cup. Yeah, we, we try to work in these cup games. Uh, I think it's good for the group to have competitive games. Uh, we're working towards uh, games where there's a trophy at the end of it. Uh, you know, hopefully we get a good result uh, tomorrow evening against Melbourne City. Uh, then we'll prepare our pre-season accordingly to, to the next round. So I believe it does help. Uh, uh, it keeps the players uh, obviously focused during pre-season and, and something to play for. And how have your new signings um, fitted in? I imagine some of them probably are quite like being in Australia. I don't know because it's freezing cold back here, but are they enjoying being there for that? Yeah, look, it's been pretty cold here as well in Sydney. Uh, so, look, yeah, the boys are fitting. Craig is, is fitting uh, very well. Um, you know, Jan has been with us for a couple of days now and, and he's just getting over his jet lag after his long flight. So, look, the boys are fitting quite well and uh, we'll slowly uh, build them up and progress them as much as we can. And Melbourne City, they had sort of the, the better of you last year, but, uh, you know, much of them this year has much changed. What do you expect? Oh, look, uh, they had better of us in the competition, but we had better of them in the cup. So hopefully that continues. Uh, so yeah, look, they're 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 a good side with very good players. Uh, nothing's changed too much there when we uh, analyse their game around yeah, the, 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 uh, the thirty-two. Uh, so look, not, nothing much changed there, but maybe a couple of personnel might change, and depending on where players are at in pre-season at the moment with them. So look, it's going to be a difficult game. Uh, they're a very good side, but uh, I'm sure that our boys will be up for it. Well, you mentioned the other day you were pretty close to a, a striker. Um, got any kind of updates there? No updates there at the moment. Uh, still, still uh, ongoing at the moment. Uh, as soon as we get it, uh, you know, over the line, I'm, I'm sure you'll be the first to know, Philip. So uh, we'll get it out there as soon as possible. Yeah, you've gone to um, Bulgaria and, and Brazil for um, some of your signings. Um, is there going to be another? different country um, adding to the United Nations of the, the Phoenix attack this year? Yeah, it could, it could possibly be. Look, uh, Phil, when we sign players, we, you know, we, we don't look at their nationality. We look at their attributes and what they can bring to the team. So as long as they fit into the mould of what we want and what we believe that player should have in those positions, uh, as long as we find the best one, it, it doesn't matter from where they come from. Yeah, and slightly kind of different players that you've added, um, you mentioned earlier with you know, Bojadar being a kind of a bigger player, um, you know, more kind of physical, I suppose. Um, is there a different profile of striker that you've been after this season to kind of complement those different players that you've brought in? Yeah, look, I think we, we need a, a balance. There always has to be a balance uh, within the team. Uh, we're looking for, a, I'll say, a taller striker uh, that has an aerial presence within the box uh, that can bring players into the game and, and come off the line and also score goals. So, you know, we've, we've got Wayno that can do, uh, you know, both of that as well, where he can, can come off and can score. Uh, we've got Barbarousas, who is a, is a quick player that can run in behind. You know, we've got Borley that can play as a 10 or a 9 as well in that role. So for, we're, for, we're looking for a balance. And for me, you know, we're looking for someone with a presence within the 18-yard box. Yeah, and, and I think um, last time you spoke about that kind of final defender you were after, um, you know, you were toying between a centre-back and right-back. Is there any kind of clarity there? And, and are you still after that and will that kind of finalise the squad once you've got your striker to 
Yeah, look, once once we get the strike over the line, it'll give us a better picture, a clearer picture of uh, where we sit uh, within the budget as well. So then we'll make a decision on, on how we work uh, that central offender. Yeah, okay. and just um, finally, I mean, how beneficial was it for the season preparation just to have the well, a decent run in the Australia Cup? Obviously, it's before the A-League men um, season starts this year. So um, do you feel like the longer you can stay in the competition, like the, the better it kind of prepares you for the, the league? Yeah, I, I believe it does. I think it gives us better games, better competitive games. Uh, rather than playing friendly games, uh, you know, back in New Zealand or coming over Australia to have a camp. So, you know, it keeps the players focused. You're, you're working towards uh, something at the end of the day. So, you know, to stay in the cup uh, is important for pre-season and, and get those mm-hmm. games. So there you go. That is Ufuk Tale uh, on a, obviously a press call earlier today and um, kept, kept his uh, cards close to his chest. Also, the Phoenix did play a preseason game against Newcastle Jets. So when they went over there to play uh, Devonport Strikers on the third, they stayed for a week because this round of 16 has been going for a couple of weeks and I think they thought their draw might work in their favour and they might play the following week as well, but that didn't end up happening. So they've stayed there for two weeks. Uh, and they played the Newcastle Jets last week in a f- pre-season friendly as well, although uh, we don't know what the result of that was. Uh, I talked to Philip uh, Rollo earlier today about that, and he said, you know, he kept his cards close to his chest. He, d- he wouldn't tell us what the result was, so not sure what that might be. It is uh, seven past eight here on SENZ Extra Time. When we come back, Philip Rollo joins us, and uh, he's going to talk to us about uh, where he thinks the Phoenix squad are going. <laughs> It's extra time on SENZ and uh, joining us to talk football, predominantly the Phoenix uh, from stuff.co.nz is Philip Rollo. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Ricardo. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. I, I know you've been on a uh, on a Zoom earlier today uh, with Ufuk Tale, the, the Phoenix head coach, of course. Big game coming up uh, tomorrow for the Knicks, our last 16 of the, I keep going to call it the FFA Cup, but it's the Australia Cup now, isn't it? Uh, how did he see, mate? How's how's Ufi been? Because he's, he's usually, you'd hate to play poker against him. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm sure he's hating being back on Zoom as well. I think he thought that was a thing of the past, and so did we um, after the last two years of having to beam in um, by the laptop um, for the media ops and stuff. Um, yeah, well, he actually mentioned too that so they'd stayed in Australia since beating um, the Devonport Strikers a fortnight ago. And I think the the, the first wave of games um, in this round started last week and he was hoping that the, the Phoenix were going to be playing one of those ones. So they've had to stay in Australia an extra seven days, but um, it has meant they've been able to schedule another um, pre-season game they played the Newcastle Jets last last week he was a bit coy on what the result was I don't know why they want to keep that sort of thing in house sometimes they do but um yeah he seemed he seemed pretty upbeat though um you know despite having to, to stay in Australia a little bit longer um obviously they've made another signing and and the squad's building pretty pretty promising um all the way it's looking is really promising I think for the new season yeah they've held on to the most of the squad from last season but they've they've adding some key pieces um Bozid Arkayev, the, uh, the Bulgarian, I hope I've said that right, um, he, he looks to be uh, a player of some promise given, you know, where we've seen him play, playing in the top division in Denmark. And it's not like, you know, he's uh, the other side of 30 yet either, is he? Yeah, no, he actually looks to be a really good signing. And there's always got to be like a reason why the Phoenix are able to sign these players. Like he hadn't played in like a year because, um, you know, he was wanting to leave his club and there were some contract issues. And so they kind of forced him out and let him play. And so it's easy to look at a signing like that and say, oh, well, he hasn't played in a year. Like, he can't be any good. But 
that's kind of the reason why a team like the Phoenix can, can sign someone like that. And, and his CV looks really good. Like he's a, a current Bulgarian international. I think his last game he'd played was against France, um, you know, the world champions last year. Um, and he had a pretty promising cameo on his debut in, in the last cup game, um, you know, scoring a goal and, you know, with his head as well, which um, he's quite tall for an attacking midfielder. And, and, you know, if he can bring a bit of an aerial threat or provide an aerial threat, then that's something probably that's, you know, Reno Piscopo didn't really kind of um, offer a lot. <laughs> no, that is true. That is true. Um, we've also had another signing uh, since uh, Bozidar signed up, and that is, uh, I don't know how if I'm saying this correctly either, but Jan Sass, is that right? The the, the Brazilian? Yeah, I believe that's correct. It was um, a little bit confusing because, so he was unveiled on, on Saturday, but, um, you know, the interesting thing about him is he, he doesn't speak great English, or at least he's not confident speaking English. I'm sure it's probably different in the changing rooms, talking to players and stuff and having to, to talk to New Zealand media for the, the very first time. But, um, you know, he spoke through a translator. Um, you know, it's been a few years since we've had a player like that. Um, so getting even kind of any sort of details around how that signing came about was a little bit tricky, let alone getting a, a correct pronunciation of the name. But I, I'm pretty sure that is correct. And um, yeah, he looks at a very kind of intriguing signing. Um, yeah, spent most of his career in the top flight in Brazil and had one season in, in Turkey. Um, the way Ufukcello described him as, you know, being quite an exciting dribbler, um, which, you know, maybe he's probably going to be the the guy who's the direct replacement for, for Reno Piscopo. But all of a sudden, when you look at, you know, Costa Barbarousas, David Ball, Ben Wayne, um, Ben Old, Oscar Van Haddam, and then they're still after another striker. Like, there's a lot of attacking options there for this team. And, um, yeah, I feel like they're going to have a lot of depth um, and, and probably a lot of flexibility, too, in terms of how they manoeuvre those guys and, and position them this season. Yeah. So uh, Now, I know Ufuk has been talking, saying that they want to strike with some height. Uh, have you got any leads? Uh, do you know have, where he's looking? I have no leads whatsoever, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it was funny. The, the Brazilian um, started following the, the Phoenix on Instagram a few weeks ago. And I think um, that's often where Phoenix fans look to see if anyone with a blue tick has um, started following the club. So maybe I'll have to go um, search through, through, through their, their new followers. But um, yeah, we asked um, Ufuktele that today um just kind of what profile of striker he wants and yeah he, he mentioned today he wants someone uh, a bit taller with more of an aerial kind of presence um which is something a little bit different i guess to what they've had in, in recent seasons um you know you know I guess gary hooper was a fairly solid lad um but he you know wasn't super tall so um and, and, you know, they had Josh Saturio playing up front a lot of last season, which, you know, he's a bit shorter and it was all about the pace. So that signals it's like a bit of a different dynamic. And, you know, they've, they've signed Costa Barbarousas and you've got Ben Wayne there and, and David Ball. I think a, a bigger kind of target man would kind of complement the, the current strikers they've got quite well, I think. Is Josh Kennedy still playing? Or is he retired now? Oh, God, he probably retired a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. I was well, just thinking because, you know, a, a tall physical striker doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be an import. Well, I think um, Tele, so, yeah, I guess we kind of can only ask so many questions um, every time. But so when, um, you know, the previous signing was announced on Saturday, he did mention, because um, that left them with one import spot left, and he mm. said that was going to go on the striker. Um, right. Which I think is going to be a pretty crucial piece to the puzzle because um you know Gary Hooper just didn't really work out coming back for that second stint you know I, I 
I was relatively optimistic about how that was going to go, but um, he just really struggled for for in with injuries and just never had a consistent run of games. And and they didn't really have that last season. Just a guy who could score double digits. And um, yeah, if they can kind of find someone who can do that, I think that could really take the team to another level. Yeah, yeah, it kind of feels like that might that might be going back to the UK again. You know, like down the Scott Wooten route, maybe. Um, see how many of Baldy's mates on Facebook at all. Um, see if we can spot that. Um, uh, elsewhere, I mean, Ugarkovic is coming, which I think is a great signing. I was really surprised the club was able to get him, um, given he's Australian, given he scores goals, you know, and uh, at West Sydney Wanderers as well. I, I, I was surprised at that, but feels like we probably need a little bit more still in midfield and maybe something else is, uh, to cover fullback. Yeah, well, it all depends on where they see Tim Payne. Um, they had Jack Henry Sinclair in on trial um, and decided against signing him, and, and that was going to be as like a fullback. Because um, Louis Fenton's obviously retired from from last season, but Tim Payne can play right back. So if if you think, okay, well, Tim Payne's going to be our starting right back, you've got Callan Elliott there, you know, that's kind of sufficient kind of option. So then all of a sudden you go, well, do you need another centre-back? But if you've got Scott Wharton, you've got Josh Laws, you've got Finn Sermon, and then if you need to play him, Tim Payne can cover centre-back, well, then they're probably kind of sorted there. Um, you know, Ugarkovic and Clayton Lewis could be one of the, the better central midfield partnerships in the league, I reckon. I think you're right. Like, Ugarkovic is a really, really good signing. Um, Alex Rufa probably won't feature until at least the second half of the season, maybe, you know, right towards the end. So then you've kind of got you know, Nicholas Pennington and, and, you know, Josh Laws again can kind of cover central midfield. So maybe you look at, at someone there, but I almost think, like, to be honest, once they get the striker, I think they're going to be almost sorted. Um, you know, there's a couple of young academy boys that are um, come over with the team and into Australia. Um, and so maybe you just go, okay, well, Jackson Manuel, he's a, um, a central midfielder, maybe you just say, well, you know, if there are injuries, we'll just kind of rely on him and, and maybe he gets a scolded deal or something like that. Um, yeah, the signal was they were probably going to sign another defender, but just Tim Payne's versatility, it kind of means he's almost worth the, worth the value of two players. Yeah, yeah, he is a bit. It's just he's, if we can just replicate him so we could have two of them would be good. Um, what about on the left side, left side of defence? Well, so yeah, so Lucas Moragas, they've got um, on loan from the Newcastle Jets, which is quite a funny signing the way that worked out. You know, James McGarry goes to the Newcastle Jets and then um, the Phoenix are able to kind of get, um, you know, their guy on, on loan. Um, you know, and, and Sam Sutton was was awesome for the Phoenix. You know, he's really come on as a, a left back after moving there from, from midfield. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to be pretty sorted there. And from all accounts, it was quite funny when Lucas Moraga signed. Like a lot of the reaction from Phoenix fans were, you know, why are we getting this guy from the Newcastle Jets on loan? Where the Newcastle Jets, um, you know, social media comments or why are we letting this guy go? Like they they all really kind of rated him. Um, and um, I think he's going to be someone who can really kind of push Sam Sutton. And, and I think it's also a really tricky position to recruit because Sam Sutton is kind of, you know, he's not Liberato Kukache, but he's kind of an automatic starter at left back and so for someone to go to the Phoenix um, knowing that they're probably going to be playing Sam Sutton more games than not you know um, that backup position or you know you're really coming as the backup so 
I think to get a guy on a loan who may not get as much game time because James McGarry has taken his spot is probably like a, a smart way to go about it just for a season, I think. And um, before we move off the Phoenix, I just wanted to ask you about Ollie Sale because I think everybody was convinced he was moving offshore at the end of last season. That doesn't seem to have happened. I know there were links with a German club, a couple of Swiss clubs, um, a, a large Scottish club as well looked at him. Um, none of those have come to fruition. So is Sale with us for the season? I know the window's still open. Yeah, Ollie's not for sale. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> nice. I, yeah, I heard, um, you know, see, I heard different countries to that again. Like I heard, you know, there was a team in France who was looking at him. Um, and I honestly thought he'd gone um, because I believe his partner um, is English. And so after the season had finished and after the All Whites games, he'd kind of gone over to the UK to, to spend his off-season with her. And I always kind of just thought, okay, well, he's gone there to wait till he's announced um with with another club and after the season he had you know i definitely thought he was going to go on to bigger and better things and he made no secret of the fact that he was pretty keen to do that um but then obviously he played for the all whites against peru and it was at fault for um you know that goal and and whether that you know put some people put some clubs off wanting to, to sign him i'm not sure but you know he's definitely come back to the phoenix he played in the the round of 32 game against Devonport and definitely seems like he's going to be the, the number one goalkeeper for the start of the season, which is a huge coup for Phoenix because I guess that was probably the big question heading into this coming season was if Sale left, um, you know, would you rely on Alex Paulson, um, you know, who had that great shootout against um, Melbourne City in the Cup last season to make it to the semifinals? Um or do you look at bringing someone more experienced in and, and then, you know, could they get Stefan Marinovic back and then he ended up signing with another club in, in Israel. So they weren't left with a huge amount of options if, if Sale was then to leave. So the fact that he's back, you know, at least for now, um, you know, that gives them one of the best goalkeepers in the league and, and you know, Central Cross Mariners have lost Mark Berrigetti, but, um, you know, signed Danny Vukovic. But I think, um, you know, Berrigetti was, was one of the, better goalkeepers last season so I think the Phoenix go into the new season with one of the best goalkeepers in the league and yeah it must be a huge relief to the tally that sales hanging around yeah definitely yeah that's uh, it is fantastic coup as you said and yeah bit of giddy going uh great move for him Vukovic going back I think he's passed his best I mean he's been I think he's been around since the start of the A-League hasn't he so yeah and he's, he's played for so many clubs but I quite like it like he came through the Mariners and um I know, like a lot of Phoenix fans, want you know Winston Reid to to come to the Phoenix and you know see out his career here. And um, I think going forward, like you know Winston Reid's a bit different because he, he never played for the Phoenix. He you know moved to Denmark when he was so young. Um, but you would like to think that you know Liberato Cacate when he's thirty five, <laughs> you know would would finish his career at the Phoenix. And I think. Um, Danny Vukovic is like a nice way to end his career and um, you know if you've lost a really good goalkeeper again like the, the position of Phoenix would have been in if they'd lost sale you know do you back a young guy or do you just bring in a more experienced guy for a season I think you know Danny Vukovic is a bit of a fan favourite um, yeah I think it's a, it's a great move on their part yeah alright mate uh, now Mel Melbourne City tomorrow night uh, where are they at at the moment? Obviously, the defending um, 
you know, uh, was going to say defending champions. They didn't end up winning it. They should have. I don't know how they didn't. Uh, but yeah. they're yeah, yeah, one of the, they're, they're probably the best club running around in the league at the moment. Where are they at with their recruitment? How strong is this team we're going to be playing uh, tomorrow night? Uh, I, to be honest, I've been a bit underwhelmed with some of Melbourne City's recruitment. Um, you know, we've seen Daniel Arzani come back to the A League, but to go to Macarthur, um, you know, um, I guess Melbourne City have had some. Stuff, you know, their front three has been pretty good with Australian players, but um, you know, I thought he might have gone back there. They've kind of signed some underwhelming kind of um, yeah, European players. I don't know. They just don't really seem to be the Manchester City of the A League, like we kind of think they they are, and you know, they've got the funds and the resources to be that that club. Um, so yeah, it, it's always a, an intriguing matchup, I think these Australia Cup games, as we saw Western United get tipped over um, by um, Sydney United, the NPL team on the weekend. They're just like in pre-season, so it's so hard to gauge like, how good this team is this versus, versus one or the other and, and what that means for the A-League season. But um, yeah, to be honest, like they haven't signed anyone that's really kind of excited me this season to make me think that the Phoenix don't have a chance against them. You know, the Phoenix beat them last season on penalties, but um yeah, I think they'll have a chance to, to beat them again tomorrow. Yeah, all right. I look forward to that game, mate. And just before I let you go, uh, the New Zealand women under 20s at the World Cup, a good draw with Mexico and not great result against the Germans. They kind of brought that pressure on themselves a bit in the second half. They just continue to drop deeper and deeper and deeper, all to do against Colombia, who uh, I think probably look the best team in the group. Yeah, it's it's been a fairly disappointing campaign, I think. Um I think on the back of the under 17, you know, with, with COVID, like this is the first kind of age group World Cup we've seen since the under 17's finished third. Um, and there's a few players that have carried on from that squad into this one. Coming off the back of Phoenix first season in the A-League woman, you know, there's a lot of players we know now. There's players we know that are good in there. Kate Taylor, for one. Um, I think we were probably quite optimistic about the chances of doing quite well. Um, and... They probably needed to win that game against Mexico. Um, they were definitely the second best team. They, the shot count was like 22-5 or something in Mexico's favour. Um, and then um, against Germany, they had like the, the, a really good chance um, earlier in the game when um, Alyssa Wynnum stole possession and kind of runs through on goal. And, and all she had to do really was lay it off to the strike. I think Millie Clegg was was you know right next to her. She just started to take a shot and kind of took a heavy touch and the, the keeper came out and, and got it. And then Germany go on and score three goals. Um, and that's pretty, because it's going to be pretty hard to, to emerge from the group now, I think. Um, yeah, as you say, Colombia, you know, could be the best team in the group. So to even beat them could be a big ask. But, and that'd be a pretty disappointing campaign, I think. Um, you know, if they only get a draw and, and two defeats, um, considering the, the players that they had. Um, but I think it just shows that once you go from under 17 level to under 20, um, the gulf between New Zealand and some of those you know, bigger nations is, is really evident. Um, mm. And at under 17 level, yeah, I think everyone's a little bit closer together um, than, yeah, than they are at under 20 level. So just goes to show New Zealand is quite, quite far behind, you know, still has a bit of work to do, but um, you know, there are some good young players in, in that team and, um, yeah, Millie Clegg was someone who I didn't really know too much about. I think she's one of the youngest players in the squad, maybe only 16, and she's been starting up front both both games. And, um, 
you know, although she hasn't got, got a goal yet um, and missed a couple of chances in that first game, you know, that's the kind of player that you hope that the Phoenix can kind of bring through and, um, you know, there's some, some players that they can kind of work with and, and develop to, to become senior football firms in the future. Yeah, indeed. All right, good stuff, mate. Thanks for coming on. Uh, keep up the good work at stuff.co.nz. Always look for your articles, mate. Yeah, doing a great job by covering the, the local game. It's 25 away from at 9 o'clock here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you till 11 o'clock. Coming up this hour, Chris Milicic to preview the Chatham Cup semifinals, which are this weekend between Eastern Suburbs and Hamilton Wanderers and Auckland City and Wellington Olympic. Uh, we also, of course, have the Australian FA Cup going at the moment, or the old FFA Cup now, it's called the Australian Cup. Uh, there are four games tomorrow, including the Phoenix's game, uh, to decide who gets in to the quarterfinals. Uh, Adelaide City are 550 outsiders against Adelaide United, who are paying a buck 44. Avondale Heights play the Brisbane Raw, their massive outsiders, £2.7, the Raw paying a dollar thirty six. Melbourne City are a dollar forty-five to beat the Knicks. We're paying five fifty. The draw is four bucks. Had a look at the Melbourne City side. They're not at full strength at the moment. Well, they they certainly didn't put out their full strength team in the last round. Put it that way. So it'll be interesting to see what team they put out there. I reckon there might be some value in the Phoenix there, or even the draw going to penalties. That's paying four bucks. And then the Oakley Cannons out of Melbourne, big favourites at a dollar twenty-two against Brisbane City, paying nine bucks. So we'll uh, look at all of that. Uh, with Chris Milicic coming up too for the uh, the Chatham Cup. Uh, of course, Auckland City currently in the Oceania Champions League. And um, they I think they play the final tomorrow, actually. It's been going on the last few weeks. And uh, so Auckland City haven't been involved in the league. They have uh, been sitting, well, not sitting it out because they've been playing, but they've had to play, what, I think uh, five or six games over the last couple of weeks uh, to decide who becomes the champion of Oceania in football. So I think that game is tomorrow, the big final. So uh, that one is also uh, one to look out for. And uh, that Chatham Cup, uh, those Chatham Cup semifinals coming up this weekend as well. We'll get into uh, looking at those with Chris Milicic in just a little while. Of course, he's just finishing wrapping up uh, coaching Takapuna. He, uh, they've just been out on the grass tonight, so uh, we'll get him on the on the blower when he's ready and we'll get his take on how those teams are going. Now, Auckland City, you would think, uh, probably going to be a little bit more match fit than everyone else, or will they be that little bit much more jaded because they have had this tournament on. Um, I know they've been winning reasonably comfortably, so it'll be interesting to see how they adapt when it comes to having to change and play uh, against New Zealand teams again after playing all the island nations in the OFC Champions League. We'll uh, come to that shortly and uh, see what Chris Milicic thinks. That's coming up after this here on SENZ. It is uh, 18 away from 9 o'clock here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock. Chris Milicic is going to join us shortly, but uh, Jace has called through on 0800 150 G'day, Jace. how you doing? Oh, g'day, Ricardo. Yeah, going well, thanks, mate. It's a story, yeah, mate. Awesome. Why would you? You wanted to talk Warriors. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm actually based over in Sydney, and um, I don't get uh, you don't get as much um, Warriors stuff over here. So I like listening to you fellas um, talk about them, and uh, I, I didn't know that about Dejan Arcee, uh that he's not going to be there next year. But did they go into detail about the reasonings for that? Like. Well, um, I think you mentioned that Cameron George had, had said something. Is that right? 
I think I think lots of the uh, uh, Jason's been here. I think lots of the the oh, issue yeah. is uh, that next year they've got Sean Johnson, Tamari Martin, Ronald Volkman, and uh, Luke Metcalf kind of on the books next year. So that's pretty much going to be yep. uh, your four halves. There's talks that they've got some young player through the Queensland Cup who's going to be part of the the reserve team next year as well. So I think that's a part part of it. But I guess the bit Ricardo and I are a bit confused about is. Well, when I first saw RC play, I saw him play in the centres, and I always knew him as a centre as opposed to a a five eight. So I kind of thought that he could have been a good spot in there. But there's also talk that the Warriors are trying to get uh, Jesse Arthur's to stay on permanently, uh, so that would almost yeah. fill that void. And got uh, Dylan Walker who can play there next year. You've got you know, Marcelo Montoya who's been playing there as well. So it's I guess I guess if they had that space, they might keep him. But it's probably that they just can't work him in at the moment. But things could change, and they could always uh, bring him back. Uh, you just you just never know because I think he'd be a very handy squad player to have. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's it. Well, thanks for filling that in because um, no, he's uh, he definitely hasn't put a foot wrong. Like since he's since he's been given a shot. Um, okay, no, no, fair enough. I'm actually going up to watch the game um, this this weekend on Friday. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be quite interesting too because it'll be the first home game. Um, since uh, Paul Paul Green's passing, mm. so it'll be quite um, emotional, I'm guessing, for the um, for the North Queensland Cowboys. Yeah, no, yeah. I think I think it will be, mate. Uh, you know, it was a really sad story, wasn't it, Jace? Um, are you, so you're, you you live over there, but you support the Warriors, or do you do you have another team? You just follow the Warriors while they're over there for COVID. Oh, I'm like I'm by the sounds of things, I'm like Ben, hundred percent Warriors. That's me. <laughs> no, no, nah, nah, nothing else, nothing else. It's um. But I, but I do love my league, you know. I, I watch every game, and I heard you guys talking about some of the other um, games as well. And and I do believe that Thursday night game is like that's going to be really, um, really awesome as well. Uh, Dylan Edwards, I think he'll be a really good, you know, inclusion. They kind of, apart from you know missing Cleary and Luai and all of that, but he's he's so good, isn't he? Like he just does everything a hundred percent. Um, makes a big difference when he's in there. Yeah, massive difference. He does, mate. He does. He's uh, he, he's certainly a difference maker for them. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that matchup goes because South's really on form at the moment. Penrith are obviously just rolling along. They don't need too much. I don't think they. I don't even think they need another win this season to finish minor prems. But of course, you don't. You don't. You don't want to be uh, going into the final series and knockout footy. You're not not playing good footy either. So uh, there's a few things to consider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it. But yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely 100% Warriors. You know, for the whole thing since um since they came in, um yeah. But I've lived over here since about 1990. So, um yeah. But but it's just been awesome to you know support them. Hopefully they get things together like all of those guys for next year. Yeah, Metcalf. I'm kind of looking forward to him. It's a bit rough that he hasn't been chosen by the um. Well, the Sharks, I mean, I know they've got a pretty gun side, but, man, he hasn't got a look in there since no. the... Um, and they won't release him either. Signing. They won't release him either because the Warriors okay. have asked. But uh, no, no no dice. All right, Jace. Hey, listen, thanks for your call, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, all good, boys. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Uh, Jace calling us in there from Sydney, uh, going up to uh, Cairns for that game. Well, how good was that? Uh, the Warriors and the Cowboys this weekend. Uh, joining us now to talk uh, Chatham Cup, different sort of uh, footy, is Chris Millicic. G'day, mate. How are you? 
Good, Ricardo. Yourself? Yeah, mate. Fresh off the grass. How how was it out there tonight? It was quite pleasant, actually. It may look a bit stormy and wild, but it's pretty calm, and it's really impl- uh, the temperature was good. That's good to hear, mate. That's good to hear. Of course, we, uh, we've, got, we've got a couple of big uh, games coming up this weekend in New Zealand football in the Chatham Cup semi-finals and uh, feature, well, three teams that you'll know pretty well. Um, suburbs, Eastern Suburbs, uh, Hamilton Wanderers. They they go head-to-head on Saturday. Uh, and two teams that haven't really been troubling the top of the table this season, but they've had a decent cup run. Yeah, look, they're... Um thing we've got to remember is the Cup has no restrictions. In the league, there's age restrictions and there's also a, a foreign rule. So, uh, But the Chatham Cup doesn't have any of that. So teams are capable of playing anyone they like that's currently registered in their club. And I think that certainly for Eastern Suburbs, that certainly helps them. Uh, they are, you know, they're mad on, keen on developing young players and they do that. But in the Chatham Cup, uh, what you see is a lot of their very experienced players take the field. And they're a bit of a different beast in the Chatham Cup. So you, it's going to be a, a really interesting matchup. That on one side you got Hamilton Wanderers, you got Derek Tiku, who, Taiku, sorry, who's a leading goal scorer in the Northern League, and I think that he's he's the handful. If he if he plays really well, then I think Wanderers got a really good chance of winning that one. Yeah, okay, it's going to be a lot on um, some young talent. You talk young talents, but young talents like Tyler Lissette and Kelvin Kalua, who we've seen feature uh, in, in New Zealand teams and New Zealand age group teams as well, mate. Um, how do you think they will cope with them? Look, I, I think that both of them have played. I mean, Derek was also a player at Eastern Suburbs. That's where he originally came from when he came out to New Zealand. So he's, uh, he's well known for people, but that doesn't, he's extremely strong. He's extremely difficult, and unfortunately, Tyler's a lot taller than Derek, um, but that's actually his detriment because Derek's got the ability to drop his drop his weight down and to start to work really powerfully low, and Tyler is a, quite a tall man, and he, he's, he will struggle against uh, Derek, whereas I think uh, Carlua will have a little bit more uh, ability to defend Derek because uh, he's a little bit shorter. I mean, Derek is, is an absolute handful because he can... Uh, spin on a dime, he can play off either foot, he's tough, he's strong, and he's got a very, very explosive turn of speed once he's got out of the turn. And he's very good at keeping the ball. For the taller players, they're looking down through Derek, and he's very good at shielding and protecting and hiding the ball with his body. So uh, being tall is not a not an advantage here. And I think 15 goals in the Northern League uh, is a testament to how many goals he's whacking away this year. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a, it's a pretty good effort. I mean, Stephen Hoyle... What probably the biggest golf threat in the uh, in that suburbs team? Well, you, you say that the one thing that suburbs do have is they do have a capacity with Jake Michelle and Stephen Hoyle to actually have a player up front that can play with his back to goal, receive the ball, pull it down, which then allows the midfield runners of Eastern Suburbs to actually play beyond the back line. Um, they're one of the very few teams uh, around that have that capacity. And, I, and, and so they're able, because when you can punch a ball in and they can hold it up, it does give time for people to make better runs. It's when the ball's bouncing around off the nine that's going all over the show that you don't get a consistency of movement, a consistency of run. And Eastern Suburbs aren't particularly good at keeping the ball. They work really hard on that as a club. And they are good at keeping the ball. But this is a game I think that they're really going to have to get at Hamilton Wanderers. Hamilton Wanderers don't like it when somebody presses them. Uh, their back line is probably the weakest part of the... Uh, Hamilton Wanderers team, so it's going to come down to uh, how each team wants to play, but I think if Suburbs were to press them really high, um, deny any service into Derek, they will get opportunities to score, 
whereas the other side of the coin, Hamilton Wanderers are going to want to get the ball forward into Derek Forward's channels, uh, get their fullbacks involved and really sort of cause problems for Eastern Suburbs because uh, Eastern Suburbs will play out from the back no matter what. Uh, so I think it'll be basically two styles of play will clash each other and uh, it'll be really interesting to see who comes out. Yeah, it will be. Uh, there's a, a couple of other names as well floating around from uh, and that Hamilton team that, um, you know, we've seen play at higher levels. Um, so it's not just all about Derek Brock Messenger there and, and Mark Jones as well, who uh, I had to do a double take and make sure it was the same bloke still running around. Yeah, it is the same bloke, but both of them are what, getting later on in their career. Brock's had a... Uh, Numerous injuries, so he slowed down a little bit from what he used to be. I mean, he used to just be an absolute uh, running terror. Uh, but he sort of slowed down, and uh, he's now having to find a different way of playing. And same with Mark. And I, and Mark's played some games, not played other games. He's injured. So uh, the thing with a cup game is all of that sort of stuff goes out the window because you just got to throw yourself into it and just see if you can win. And it's funny, when you get to the semi-final time, if you lose, it's quite devastating because you're so close. I think when you lose round one or round two, you kind of go, oh, well, that's over, and let's move on. It's when you're getting uh, deep into the comp that that's when the, the real tension starts to, to build and, any, and things can happen. But experience does count, and both of them are very experienced players. And one would expect that the Hamilton Wanderers coaching staff will go with their most experienced side because they're going to need that against a side that moves the ball as well as suburbs. On Sunday, we've got a second semi-final between uh, Wellington Olympic and Auckland City. Of course, Auckland City uh, in, the, in the midst of the OFC uh, competition at the moment. They've got the final tomorrow. Then they have to front for the semi-final. And, and this Olympic side uh, looks pretty damn good. I mean, they have to be reasonably good to uh, to knock over Miramar Rangers, which they, they did earlier in the season. Yeah, I think that, uh, well, the, the team Wellington, which was a very, very good foot National League team, they split into two in reality, and uh, Wellington Olympic got one and uh, Miramar got the other. And uh, and so Olympic will be looking to do, as much as Auckland are, they want to win the Chatham Cup, they want to win the National League round, and they want to get in the Club World Cup rounds. So they're their name, and I think this is probably the first time that these two teams will face each other this year. Uh, so they match up pretty well. Um, they've both got incredible depth. Uh, I mean, Auckland's pretty much got 23 of the better players running around in Auckland that are available, so I don't think the O-League will have that much, take that much out of them. In fact, it may be beneficial to them. Uh, Wellington Olympic, of course, won 11 nil on the weekend, and that's not much of a build-up to come up and play Auckland City, uh, which you need to be extremely on your game. You have to have a very good game plan, and you must execute it. Uh, so Wellington Olympic may find themselves walking in um, to a bit of a different level of pace to what they're used to down in the Central League, and that will be the benefit of Auckland. But in saying that, Auckland aren't the team that's going to put 10 past you uh, because of the way they play. So this is a really, really tight one, um, and it will become the, who Auckland City picked to play the game. Um, and also basically how both the teams want to play against each other. Uh, but I bet it's on, you know, it's on a smaller pitch of Kiwitea. It'll suit Auckland City. Um, so it'll be really interesting. But as I said, neither team will be lacking experience. Neither team will be lacking quality. Um, so this one's a game that I think could be 50-50. And it really does show what could happen later on when they, both of them will probably make the top four for the semifinals of the National League round and could be playing each other in a semi-final or final later in the year.
Yeah, all right, mate. Oh, well, uh, before we let you go, are you going to pick a, a final matchup for us? Who do you think it's going to end up being? I think Auckland City will play um, Hamilton Wanderers. Auckland City, Hamilton Wanderers. You heard it here first. Hey, Millie, thanks very much, mate. I, I know you're just fresh off the grass. I'll let you go grab a shower and a cold one, and uh, uh, and we'll catch up with you soon, mate. Thanks for your time. Anytime. I think it'll be a hot one. It's not that cool, <laughs> mate. Not that not that conducive to a to to, to a frothy one, no. No, mind your cup of tea. <laughs> Good stuff. Go well, Chris Milicic there with us uh, talking Chatham Cup semi-finals uh, coming up this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk more uh, fight sports, combat sports. Talk a little bit of UFC. Talk some boxing as well, including catching up with Anton Wainwright from Ring TV magazine out of the UK and get his take on this Usyk Joshua fight that is going down this weekend. It's a couple of minutes past nine here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Paul with you through till 11 o'clock uh, doing something we like to call Rumble on the radio on your Tuesday night where we look at combat sports. Coming up, Anson Wainwright is going to join us. He works for Ring TV and Ring Magazine out of the UK uh, covering all the fight sports over there. And of course, we've got this weekend, Sunday morning New Zealand time, a big rematch between Anthony Joshua and Usyk. Usyk, uh, the... Ukrainian Alexander Usyk, who took time off from boxing to go and fight the Russians, and uh, now he's back. And, man, he's bulked up. I mean, the thing in the last fight was that he was that much smaller than AJ. He's about three inches shorter, but he gave up a lot of weight as well. He has fought at cruiserweight before, uh, but he's definitely put on size. And uh, somebody I see uh, from Sky Sports in the UK suggested that he looks like a cyborg after uh, the training that he's put in the training camp. So looking forward to this fight and uh, looking forward to what Anson Wainwright has got to say about which way he thinks it'll go. Anthony Joshua has been speaking. This is what Anthony Joshua said. How are you prepared mentally for the challenge of reclaiming your world titles? How am I prepared mentally? So mentally it's a competitive fight and I've got to bring competition. So in that sense, mentally, it's not just about all right, I want to box well and all this, just win. Mentally, like, win. Refuse to be beat. And that's how you mentally approach the fight, just go in there with a winner's mindset. How's it been for the last 11 months having to sit on that loss, waiting for this rematch to come around? Pros and cons. So the cons are the time, drags on. Like, normally you get straight back in there, don't you? Inactivity ain't good for anyone. But the pros are, for all the changes that I've made personally, um, like training camp, training location, like having to form a new team, like making them work together as well, which is important in a training environment. And that needed time. That needed time. So straight after the fight, um, obviously I focused on recovery, but I got straight to business. And what you'll see on Saturday is kind of what we've been working on for the last, I'll say, 10 months. Do you feel possibly for the first time in your career that you're the underdog going into this fight? Not me personally, nah. I'm on it, like, win, winner's mindset, do you know what I mean? Always. But I don't know what the bookies say. Um, so, yeah, but me personally, nah, not at all. And what burns the fire inside you right now? I just can't go back to, back to the ends, as they say, like, back to London. Without the belts, if I'm honest, I just don't want to go back to London without the belts. Um, I know I'll say, like, the belts don't mean anything, but deep down they mean something. But I just want to win, basically. I just don't want to go back without winning. And I know I can win. 
the mind strong, as you asked me, like have I mentally prepared the mind strong, so I believe, and um, all things should come, come to pass, and I'm claiming victory now, so hopefully it comes to existence August 20, August 20 slash 21st. You, you mentioned the belts, Tyson Fury's vacated the Ring Magazine belt, so officially the winner on Saturday will be the best in the world, is that how you see it? Uh, nah, nah. Unless he's like 100% retired, like, but you've got to beat Fury as well. But this ain't about Fury, with all due respect, but that's just my view on that. But as, as it stands, you're just a winner. You're a winner at the end of the day. There's always another challenge out there. Until you retire, <clears throat> you, you're always, uh, always um, going to be challenged to prove you're the best in the world. The minute you say you are the best is the minute you should pack up. But yeah, that's enough on that Tyson Fury situation. Yeah, there you go. So that is uh, Anthony Joshua talking ahead of the big fight this weekend. Uh, he mentioned, he said, I don't know what the bookies say. Well, I'll tell you what the bookies say. He's the outsider. Uh, Alexander Usyk paying $1.50. Anthony Joshua, $2.60. The draw at $14. If you want method of victory, well, Usyk by points or decision, uh, 262 Usyk by knockout or TKO, 325 Draw, $17.00. Anthony Joshua points or decision seven fifty. Anthony Joshua knockout or TKO three dollars sixty. So that's how the bookies see it. And like I said, Anson Wainwright from Ring Magazine will come on and talk to us about that. Uh, their their belt is on the line, and uh, looking forward to seeing what he has to say about it. Also on that undercard too, there is a a fight to watch out for, particularly if you're a fan of Joseph Parker because there's a great Croatian heavyweight uh, running around Europe at the moment called Filip Hergovic, and he's tried to call Joseph Parker out before. Uh, he's a guy that's sort of floating around that top 10. He is on the card, on the undercard. He is fighting uh, Zhang from China, who is an outsider at 750. Uh, he's paying a dollar seven, but he is also on that card and one to watch out for. Of course, this is all on DAZN, so uh, you can book that and watch that on Sunday morning, the uh, the fight game. Looking forward to it. To the UFC, and uh, it's a big story brewing over there with a, a kid called Raul Rosas Jr. Now, I say kid. Um, he is literally a kid. He's 17 years old. He is 5-0 and eight, uh, five and oh in his MMA career, and he's just signed a contract to compete on September the 20th in Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, he'll fight Mando Gutierrez, who's got a 7-1 deal for a UFC contract. So if you haven't seen the, the Contender Series, it's basically Dana White going out and looking for fighters that could become UFC fighters, going through, figuring it out, doing some matchups, putting them together, and seeing how it all turns out. So uh, this kid, yeah, Raul Rosas Jr., keep, keep your ear uh, out for him because uh, this could be some big story. He will be the youngest fighter in UFC history if he wins this bout against Mando Gutierrez. Uh, the previous record was 19, held by Chase Cooper, but he will just be 17. In order to be licensed in Nevada, though, uh, you do have to be 18. So it might be a, deal, a case of he wins the fight and he can sign, uh, but he can't actually become active until he turns 18. We'll have to wait and see how that one plays out. But that is a, a great story coming out of the UFC. And I look forward to seeing uh, what uh, that kid does because I think it's going to be uh, fantastic to see some new blood in the UFC. Of course, uh, last weekend in the UFC, UFC fight night was uh, Marlon Vera against Dominic Cruz. Uh, two names who have been around for a while. And Dominic Cruz, you've got to think, 
maybe as 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 fought his last fight. He he lost in the fourth round to a to a knockout, and uh, you know Cruz is he's certainly not getting any younger, and I I just don't know where he goes from here. But uh, yeah, a good win for Marlon uh, Vera, and uh, he continues to move up the rankings um, in the UFC. Also, uh, another fight that I thought was uh, pretty interesting was uh, a guy called Gerald uh, Mesherat, who's become a bit of a gatekeeper in the middleweight division. He fought a Brazilian Bruno Silva and beat him by submission. He was the big outsider in this fight, but uh, yeah, one uh, submission victory in the third round, so gutsy from him. And then coming up this weekend, uh, there is another UFC event coming up, and this one, uh, this card, has got some some great fights on it, and it's definitely going to be well worth uh, checking out. We see the rematch of um, uh, Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards, so uh, the welterweight champion up against the number two ranked welterweight. Uh, Usman won this this uh, head-to-head last time out. He is massive favourite to do so again. Uh, so that is the main event, if you like, but also... Uh, on this card is probably one of my favorite fighters to watch in the UFC, a guy by the name of Paulo Costa out of Brazil. This guy will do anything and everything. He's, uh, you know, he's a guy that will do backflips. He's a guy that will run up the cage, up the side of the cage, and do Superman punches off the side of the cage. Uh, he has got so many tricks in his book, a great kickboxer, hard to take down, great movement, and he is fighting Luke Rockhold who uh, in, the, in the middleweight division. So Luke Rockhold's a former champion at this weight, but I think Luke Rockhold's day is is has been and gone, and I don't see him getting the best of Paulo Costa, but that is going to be uh, a great fight this weekend on that card. It's definitely one to watch. And then there's a few other big names too. Jose Aldo, uh, the third-ranked bantamweight, up against uh, Mirab Devalishvili, which uh, from Georgia, which this is going to be a great fight too. Um, these guys at bantamweight, when they wrestle, the the pace of the of the fight uh, is uh, just insane. And also a great great story in Tyson Pedro making his comeback after I think about 18, 19 months out of the UFC with injuries and a bunch of other stuff going on. A real redemption story for him. He's fighting at light heavyweight against Harry Hunsucker, and uh, he is the biggest favorite on the card. So uh, those all coming your way in the UFC. This weekend, uh, plenty to keep an eye on in the UFC this weekend, and uh, plenty to have a stab at too if you fancy it. Because uh, the TAB fully covers this. Uh, Usman, as I mentioned, is big favorite against Edwards, he's paying a dollar 26. Uh, Tyson Pedro, who I said you know is the biggest uh, favorite on the card, he's paying just a dollar 12 to beat Harry Hunsucker. Uh, there is no market there for method of victory yet, but I would imagine uh, you should go if you're looking at that one. Knockout is the way to go, and Paulo Costa at a dollar thirty over Luke Rockhold looks pretty good as well. There are some different options there for you, but uh, Paulo Costa by knockout TKO at a dollar sixty uh, is probably where I will be going. It is twelve past nine here on SENZ Extra Time Rumble on the radio. We're going to be talking boxing when we come back. Sixteen past nine here on SENZ Extra Time, the Rumble on the radio, and uh, joining us out of the box office is Chad Milnes, former New Zealand Commonwealth Games boxer. G'day, Chop Chop. How are you, mate? Hey, good, mate. Good, good, very good. That's the story. You got a big, uh, you got a big fight night coming up this weekend. Yes, yes. No, we do. Saturday night, um, we have our first uh, event of the year. I was on one last year, but first one of the year, and uh, yeah, no. 
been quite a stressful thing, but you know, <laughs> as it is putting events on, but um, but almost almost there. Um, looking forward to fight night. Uh, who can we see on the card, mate? And and if you can't get along, you can't get a ticket. Is is it streamed? Uh so so CSN will be will be uh, recording the fights, and I think it might be uh, it won't be live, but it'll be there, there will be delayed coverage. They'll be they'll be putting that up on on their uh, platform. Um, but our main event fight, we got uh, Shay the Business Brock. Uh, he's taking on Marcus uh, the Headache Haywood, and and this is a rematch of of a fight. Three years ago, uh, that ended in a draw. It was a four-round fight, um, and that ended on a, on a yeah on a draw on a Shane Cameron counterpunch card. Um, but this time they're doing it over eight rounds, and and this time they're doing it for a uh, a PBC middleweight title. That's good, mate. That's good that you got those two back together. Because I, from memory, uh, Brock was on top most of that fight. He really went to the body a lot, but he got caught with a couple upstairs, didn't he? Later on. Yeah, he started really well. He started good for the first two, and and and, uh, and then Marcus came on hard in the last couple rounds. And I guess it must have been first two Shay and, and and last two Marcus, and uh, and then you have your draw. But but yeah, Shay Shay boxed well at the start. He has a good jab. He has a bit awkward timing, so he can pot shot shots well. Um, but Marcus is he's a tough customer. Uh, he's a kickboxer. Uh, originally and, and converted over to the boxing ranks. Very tough, very determined. He he he's very hungry. He trains hard, fit as, um, and he came on strong in the left half of the fight. How do you expect the fight to play out? Are you got a, have you got a horse in the race here? Are you are you training either either fighter, or is <laughs> are, are you just going to be able to sit back with a cold one and enjoy? Well, well, Shay Brocky, he's fighting out of the box office now. I don't train him. He's trained by uh, Henry Schuster, who, who's uh, you know well known in the boxing circles. Legend, training Cameron, and, yeah, yeah. So he's he's been training Shay. He's been Shay's trainer for a while. Um, but but I will be I'll be in the corner, so I'll be invested. Uh, I'll be probably bucket boy or something, you know. <laughs> got to keep you busy, um, mate. Got to keep you busy. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. Got to you got to earn my earn my earn my front row seat. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it'll be it'll be a tough fight. It's over eight rounds, so. So Marcus, who is a very durable and 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 guy with a lot of endurance, it'll be quite a tough fight. Shay's been training hard, but he's got double the distance, so he can't he can't sort of slack off or, or fall off after two rounds. He's got a few rounds to go, um, but he is the more experienced boxer, and and uh, he does have that boxing IQ a little bit more on Marcus. But Marcus has also been performing quite well and recently in this fight. I, I really don't know how to call this fight, but I know it'll be a tough fight for our boy. Um, but it's a good fight to make. You know, it's it's a fight that I, I'm sure that many, many people can't really pick. And those are the fights you want to see. You don't want a fight where you got a big, a big underdog or 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 a, or a big uh, a favorite, and and you just get a walkover. So uh, it'll be an exciting fight, um, however long it lasts. Yeah, well, looking forward to that, mate. Look, I mean, have either has either fighter been as Deep as eight rounds in a in a in a fight like this before. Um, I yes, actually, yeah. They 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 both have. I think Shea Brock has been a ten round fight. He fought ten rounds against Bowen Morgan, to my, to, to my knowledge, um, which he lost that, and that was for a super welterweight uh, belt. I think he lost his belt to Bowen Morgan. Um, and Marcus Hayward went eight rounds with uh, Andre Mikhailovich on the POTUS card. Mm. Must be a year, two, one or two year, two years ago now, and that was a very, very competitive fight. Andre starting really well, but 
had it gone maybe another couple more rounds, who knows what the result could have been, but Marcus came on really strong uh, in the final rounds of that fight. But Mark, but Andre did walk away with the, the deserving decision. Well, I was going to say, anybody that can that can go eight rounds with Mikhailovic and walk out of the ring has done, has done well. No, that's right. That's right. That's, that's how dangerous he is. He's so durable. Um, and in the end of that fight, too, he was starting to get a bit of momentum on Andre. Lucky if Andre was the end of the fight, but exactly to stand in front of someone like Andre who hits like a truck, um, very aggressive, and to take those punches and come on hard in the final rounds of the fight, that is that is a tough fight. And that's, that's hard for anyone of any level. Mate, uh, what, what else have you got on the on the card? I know it's a bit of a mixed card, isn't it? You've got some corporates, you've got some amateurs, and you've got pros as well. Yeah, yeah. So that, we've only got the one pro. We've got that, that title fight, which is which is a, a big fight. Um, but then we've got uh, some boxers from Peach Boxing, of course. We've got some Peach Boxing fighters. Uh, we've got Sonny Marini. Uh, he's one of the uh, – he's a youth national champion. Um, very talented, very strong uh, young boxer out of Peach. He's probably the next generation for Peach to move into, uh, fo- follow in the footsteps of the likes of Andre and, and Dave Light. Uh, and he'll be taking on a boxer from uh, Revels Boxing Club, uh, Haranj Singh, who they actually had a fight before, and Haranj walked away with a close decision. So it's a rematch, and where Sonny wants to get that get that back and settle the score. So really excited for that. It's a, the last fight they had was action-packed. Uh, Sonny, I think, coming in a little bit sick, to, to my knowledge, to from what I've heard. So I think he's really eager to get in there and uh, take the victory back and, and even the score. Yeah, nice, mate. Nice. And how, how long do you think after the fight night uh, this will be available? And if people want to check out the fights, where can they do that? So so if they if they head to the CSN, I guess that depends a little bit on them. But if you head to the CSN website, um, they have all the, all of it on there. You can find even older fights that they've covered. All their things have got a big library of fights uh, that, that they've covered, all on there for people to see. Yeah, on the CSN website. Nice. Now you're not you're not the only um, dance card in town this weekend because uh, I know Peach Boxing have got a, a card as well, and uh, the Nightmare is back. Miyamoto, she is fighting uh, Thailand's number one fighter as well. What do you, do you know much about this Thai fighter that she's taking um, on? <laughs> I, I actually I don't I don't know much about this girl that she's fighting. Um, but yeah, they they've got one. They've got one on the Friday. They're, so they've got their tournament on on Friday, and our one's the next day. So Isaac's going to be busy in the corner Friday night, and then uh, the next day on our event too. Um, don't know much about the girl, but I know. But Mia's been sparring uh, one of my boxers, uh, Zane Adams, and and she's looking really sharp, fit as she's she's smashing out the the eight round distance that she will be fighting, smashing it out easy and. Um, looking very sharp, you know, and, and my guy's a bloke and she's standing in there and banging with him, so she's probably the bigger puncher out of the two, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, she is a nightmare. She is a nightmare, so uh, I'm sure that she'll go well. Yeah, well, the PBC International Belt on the line as well. I mean, uh, for her, this is a, you know, it's a world title shot, and then who knows from there, you know, you dominate Australia, Australasia and Asia, then uh, then where to next? You you know the the world just uh, keeps opening up, so be good to see where she goes from that, mate. But also looking at the undercard uh, on that, um, Dylan Wright, who I think this will only be his second fight with Peach. I, I I saw his first one, which was probably just over a year ago at Sky City, and uh, he looked a different fighter, and and he had a great win. He was, it was an upset win too, wasn't it? 
yeah, yeah. Well, that, I'm pretty sure that would have been you're referring to the fight against um, ah, Jerome Pasqua, a Filipino yeah. southpaw, in which he won a comfortable decision. Um, and and Jerome is quite a good guy. Jerome actually has a, a victory over Marcus Haywood, so speaks of his class and quality. And and Dylan had his hands down for more than half of the fight and just picked them off. Um, and actually, something else is Dylan Wright has a a victory over old John Parker, which was over the uh, on the uh, POTUS card. That was must have been about two months ago. Um, which the week before, two weeks before, he lost John Parker, lost the decision to John Parker, and they fought again a few weeks later, and this time picked up the victory and got the revenge. So they're one apiece with uh, the Parker camp, old Dylan Wright. That's that's good. There, no doubt there'll be a trilogy at some point. But he's fighting uh, Arapeta Wirahiko, uh, who I don't know too much about on this card, but uh, he's a fighter that's been around a little bit as well. Yeah, he's a he's a, a another converted kickboxer from what I've heard. Um, new to the boxing scene, he hasn't had too many fights, but he fought uh, last week on the uh, Jordan Tuigamala boxing event, and and he lost the decision to another young talented fighter, Mandy Louis. Um, but but it was a very competitive fight. He's actually got quite good boxing skills for a kickboxer, and he's super tough. Mandy Louis is a strong guy, and uh, he weathered the weathered the storm and and. Done the dis- went the distance for four rounds, um, and yeah, Mandy Lou is a strong guy. He boxed in Australia um, as an amateur, and and comes with yeah, a bit of pedigree. Uh, but yeah, he did lose, but he's but he's active, and it was a tough fight, and and I'm sure that he'll give Dylan a you know he'll, he'll make him work for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and that that is on Friday night. Tickets available through PeachBoxing.co.nz. That fight is actually at the ABA. Um, so, uh, yeah, a whole, whole bunch of boxing action coming up this weekend, mate. And, uh, Chad, before we let you go, of course, there's a a, a really big fight on Sunday morning. Um, Anthony Joshua, yeah, Alexander Usyk, uh, <laughs> who you got? Big weekend of boxing, all right, yeah. Um, I, I better have a early-ish, not early-ish, not too early, but not, not get home too late and get to bed so I can be up for the fight on Sunday, but... Man, that that is such a hard fight. I mean, even though Usyk won the last fight, to me it is still 50-50. AJ being the big, strong, and you know, as an athlete, unbelievable. Um, it totally depends on what kind of fight he decides to have. And and also, just to bring it up, I know he lost to Usyk, but they were very close rounds. And even the rounds that Usyk won, they were very competitive. So I still see it as a 50-50. Um, and and if Joshua you know changes his style, it actually makes it tough for Usyk because Usyk's done his thing that worked, and now the ball's in AJ's court and he's got to make an adjustment. And Usyk's kind of probably waiting. Well, what's he going to change? Is he going to come and try and bowl me over, or is he going to try box more? So it's probably a little bit hard for Usyk to. It's, it's probably a bit harder for Usyk because AJ's the one that has to make the change, and Usyk's going to have to adapt to what happens in the ring. So, I mean. I, I, if I'm to make a call, um, oof, I'm just going to go with the favourite Usyk. But to me, it really is fifty-fifty. Yeah, uh, I, I really don't write Anthony Joshua off, especially because he is such a huge puncher and he's actually a decent boxer. He is a decent boxer. 
Yeah, well, that's interesting, actually, you say that, because, uh, you know, he's a de- well, not that uh, uh, he's a decent fox, we know that, and that he's got punch power, but the fact that last time uh, Usyk really made it hard for Joshua to catch him uh, because of his movement and his evasiveness, but Usyk's actually put on size this fight, so I wonder if that might actually be detrimental. We'll have to see. Yeah, right, totally. You, you don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, I don't know what, they must have a bit of a plan with that. Maybe they expect Joshua to come out and, and try and bowl him over, so he's he's he's, he's building himself up, so he'll be a bit more, be a bit more durable and and be able to you know punch a bit harder and wrestle and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it, it could just be more weight added and take away the advantages that he does have, which is speed, footwork, uh, uh, accuracy, and boxing skills. And you know, it's make it's like making your weapon heavier. Does that really help? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean. I, I am really excited for that fight. I'm sure many people are. Yeah, mate, no, it's going to be huge. It's going to be great. Hey, Chop Chop, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Go well. No worries. No worries. Good chat. Cheers, Ricardo, mate. Cheers, mate. Chad Milne's there from uh, the box office. Uh, their big fight night Saturday night is actually sold out. But, of course, you can, if you want to go to local fights in uh, and you're in the Auckland area, uh, peachboxing.co.nz have tickets for theirs at the ABA, still available on Friday night. And then you can watch... Uh, Joshua versus Usyk on DAZN on Sunday morning as well. We're going to talk more of that with Anson Wainwright next. Yeah, 25 away from 10 here on SENZ Extra Time. This is Rumble on the radio. We are talking uh, boxing and uh, combat sports uh, through till 10 o'clock. And uh, joining us out of the UK is Anson Wainwright. He is a, a contributor to uh, the... Uh, Ring Magazine. He's a member of the Ring Ratings Advisory Panel as well and co-host of a podcast, You Don't Play Box. Uh, So Anson joins us ahead of, of course, uh, what is going to be a massive fight in the world of boxing Sunday morning New Zealand time. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And yourselves? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. I'm just just looking at your... uh, your profile picture on on your on your Twitter page, and I've got one that is almost identical uh, of you oh, standing really? at, of you standing in front of the Rocky picture, uh, Rocky Rocky statue in Philadelphia, doing the hands up pose. I've got one as well, mate. I'll, I'll have to see that. <laughs> I'll have to have a look when we get off. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Hey, listen, thanks for coming on and giving us some time. Of course, I know you'll be busy leading into this fight, uh, and it is a fight that. You know the uh, the ring belt is on the on the line for as well with Tyson Fury seemingly having kind of maybe sort of retired for now at least. Um, <laughs> so who knows? That'll keep us that'll keep Change, us guessing. It changes each day. It, it does, changes it, each day. It does, mate. It does. It depends. It, it, dep- it depends on how he feels when he gets out of bed. I think. Uh, but we should talk the two guys who are fighting because Anthony Joshua uh, is going to step back in the uh, the ring up against uh, Alexander Usyk, uh, try and avenge that loss uh, that he had last time out. Um, where do you think Anthony Joshua is at at the moment? I mean, he's lost this that last fight against Usyk. He'd previously lost to Ruiz as well. That that aura of you know, I, I think for a little while, mate, not just the British boxing public, but I think boxing people in general thought this guy could be the next Lennox Lewis. But some of that aura is gone, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it actually started in the in the Vladimir Klitschko fight because we saw him down heavy, and while he got up, and there was no, you know, there was no effect in that fight. He was sensational because obviously it was a very heavy knockdown from Klitschko. He got up, 
um, and then got the stoppage. We saw it in subsequent fights. I mean, I, he, he fought in my, my hometown of Cardiff and he fought um, Carlos de Cam and it was a bit of a ho-hum performance, but de Cam was late, you know, uh, late replacement for Pulev um, and... You, you know, you wondered if, if he was properly motivated, and you know, you, you see that with 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 you know all fighters. There's, there's a certain you know they, they get the win, but they don't necessarily look you know sparkling every time. And then you know from that Joseph Parker, it, it looked like he didn't know whether to stick or twist. You know, he was winning the fight, but did he you know did he want to go and you know really try and make a statement, which would have been to try to stop Parker, and it never really looked on in that. And we've seen it obviously since then. You know, obviously the Ruiz fight again, somebody came in and went a notice, but Ruiz was a you know a real fight. Um, and had been doing his work over you know years and, and grabbed that opportunity when it came to him, um, and and frankly you know that was his moment in the sun, his 15 minutes because he never had the dedication to to maintain that, um, and, and 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 you know obviously since then we've seen him against Kubrat Pulev, which was kind of you know made to order for him, um, and then. We thought he'd be too big for Usyk because Usyk, frankly, hadn't looked a million dollars in his, you know, against uh, um, Witherspoon and Derek Chisora. But you know, it was it was kind of he was moving along. He was, you know, he was doing the right things. But obviously, we don't see that. I mean, this is Usyk, um, and then he looked sensational against Joshua, who probably needed to be a little bit more aggressive but smart with it. Did really he kind of again caught between what to try to do. Um, so we've seen, you know, going back in history, we've seen, you know, where Joshua looked brilliant, and then we've seen him, let, you know, want to get hit less. And as that's the case, not getting hit less, he's, you know, he's, it, it becomes more difficult for him, you know, in certain fights. And, and I say that's borne out, you know, in a couple of those. What happens to Anthony Joshua if he loses this fight? You know, it's going to be very difficult because, I mean, the type of fees he commands, you know, purses he commands are, you know, huge. And to, you, you can't get those if you're fighting, you know, less than stellar guys. I th- it depends, probably, again, it probably depends how we were to lose. I mean, if he were to, you know, um, a colleague of mine at the ring, you know, went out and, 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 and outright predicted Usyk will win in five rounds. If it, if it was to be something like that and it was a real beating, you know, uh, wow, then it would be very difficult, you know, the type of money he's earned, it wouldn't be a surprise, I, I guess, to see him, you know, walk off into the sunset, because when you've made tens of millions through boxing, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're not the man, from an ego point of view, and from the point of view of starting again, it's a long road back, um, so, it, it kind of, but it kind of depends on how he were to lose, if he were to lose you know, and it was close, then I guess they could bring him back and he could, you know, fight someone like a Hergovic or, you know, a, 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 you know, a, one of these young heavyweights that are coming through and, and we get a, a kind of a, a big event, you know, possibly at a soccer stadium, you know, in the UK or, you know, that type of thing. Maybe they would look to do that. Maybe he could do something overseas, but it very much depends on how he were to, you know, if he were to lose, how he were to lose. Yeah, I mean, it feels like there's too much money waiting to be made for him and, and, and Fury to fight, but he can't go into that fight having lost this fight. No, 100%. Yeah, if he were to, if he were to lose this one, I, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't sit right that you, know, you lose to Usyk twice and then you, you just go fight Fury anyway. And I think, obviously, the way Fury's willy-won't-y, I don't think it's something that's going to happen 
you know, straight away. It's, it's either going to be one of these where they do, if, if, if it were to happen, obviously Fury's retired. But I think, you know, there would obviously be, you know, interest from overseas to, to, to sort of do the fight. Um, and, and from a UK point of view, it would have to be certain times of the year because you're not going to put that in an indoor arena. You know, they, they would have to be outdoors. You know, Cardiff has the, you know, the rugby stadium, which you guys in New Zealand would know they could do 70,000, 80,000 at that. Um, but, you know, maybe they want to do it at Wembley and, and, and have a few more, you know, pack in 90 plus thousand. But yeah, that, that would have to be at a certain point of the year, i.e. the summer. You couldn't be doing that in December and January when it would be, uh, you know, pouring down with rain. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's very time sensitive. That, that new Tottenham Stadium is pretty good, though, isn't it? They've had, they've had a fight there yes. already. That's, that's, yeah, that's where the, the first fight was, I believe. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Now, what about Usyk? Because, of course, he, he down tools for a while to pick up. A, well, I was going to say down tools. He probably actually up tools, didn't he, to, to, to fight the Russian <laughs> invasion. Uh, so he took a bit of time out of boxing. He, he, he looks like he's come back bigger. He looks like he's put on a bit of size, uh, maybe in anticipation that, you know, Joshua will do what all the boxing, boxing critics said he should have done in the first fight and try and bully him and be physical. You know, that's something that was interesting because we saw some photos and I spoke to Kathy Duver of main events. And of course, Kathy goes back with, you know, the Lennox Lewis, Riddick Bowe and, and uh, Holyfield when when those guys were all fighting. She was around all of that and, you know, and some big fights throughout the 80s and stuff. And, and Kathy was sort of saying to me, she said, it seems like Usyk bulked up and Josh was, you know, slim down a bit so it because that was something was, I found interesting in the first fight what would they you know what would their weights be mm-hmm. and it seems like this time obviously Joshua was heavier but I think this time we might see you know he might you know drop a few pounds and I should say Usyk up a few pounds so the, the the discrepancy in weight might not be as much as you know as, as what it was in the first fight. I guess from a from Usyk's point of view uh, he's got to be careful that he doesn't actually by doing this, and I understand why he's doing it, because it does look like he is bigger, but he, he might take away one of his best weapons from the first fight, which was his mobility and his ability to, to stay away uh, from Joshua and not get cornered. Absolutely. I mean, it, it could do that. I, I I think he and the people around him, it's not like as though this is his first rodeo. I mean, he's been, he was at the 2012 Olympics, and, and frankly, from, from the Olympics in 2012 up until now, his career has been perfect, you know? So I think from his point of view, I think I'd like to think they know what they're doing. We've seen many cases. We won't know until fight time. We've seen many times in boxing when we, we kind of guess these things uh, and we think, oh, well, but I'd like to think that if they, if they've bulked him up, that they, you know, I mean, Amir Khan reached out to me. I think he was quite excited because he'd seen, he was around Usyk in Dubai and he told me that, you know, he looked very, very you know, sharp and, you know, on point and, 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 and so I, I don't think that would be the case, but I mean, it, 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 it's not beyond the realms of possibility that, you know, he's a little bit slower um, and Joshua, because he's lost a little bit of, of, of weight, maybe he's a little bit quicker so that, you know, and that discrepancy is a little bit, you know, closer than, than previously. And that could make a big difference because Joshua is the bigger man. And if he can use, if he can be smart and, and he can apply that pressure, you know, can he, can he, you know, can he land? That's the, that's the question. Well, he's changed. He's uh, let me spit that out again, Anson. He has changed his <laughs> trainers ahead of this fight too, hasn't he? And what do you think that they've added to his uh, to his game? Do you know he, what he did is when would have it been? It probably would have been earlier this year. He took off to America, 
um, I think it was just America, and went round like the likes of, I think, Ronnie Shields, um, Robert Garcia, who he ultimately picked in it. I think he went and saw several different trainers and obviously try to get a, a feel for who would be best for him. Now, Robert is obviously a, a terrific trainer. He's, a, he's, a, he's an excellent fighter and now he's a very, very good trainer. He's, he's been around you know, the game for long enough, but you know, he's still young. He's only in his mid-40s, so he's, he, but he's, he's not like an old guy or what have you. But uh, Robert is an, as I say, an excellent trainer um, and it will be interesting to see, but again, they've only had so long. This is their first camp together. They've only had what? three months I would guess so it's not a lot of time to implement what you want to do and frankly when it gets into the fight when it when things aren't going your way it becomes very difficult not to revert to type muscle memory what you know you don't just go what I was taught the other day so it comes a point in you you would have thought from Garcia's point of view he would have liked to have had a couple of camps with him, you know, before this one, but that was never the option for him. The option was like, do you want to train Anthony Joshua for this fight? He's probably making a, you know, an, an excellent payday himself. And, you know, we'll see whether, you know, Robert just is, is there for the night or whether, you know, if he, if he's improved or if he's changed, modified anything. And if you know, Joshua, if he were to fight again, does he, does he go back to Robert, you know, Garcia, that is, or does he, you know, does he, does he change again? It, 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 we, we will, again, we will just have to see how that sort of plays itself out, but uh, an interesting addition to his team, definitely. Yeah, very much so. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how that affects things up. Uh, Usyk has talked uh, uh, quite a lot about how he wants to help his people and his country. It's almost given him something else to fight for, like uh, he didn't have enough to fight for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how, yeah. how do you see that? I mean, is that just um, a little bit of hype talk, or do you think it is something uh, that will could spur him on, or you know, conversely, could weigh on him a bit? You know, it's 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 very interesting because I think it absolutely will spur him on. Could it weigh him down a bit at the same time? Yes. But I think from you, you there's certain countries like, you know, where you see it. Like I, I, I was saying to a friend of mine, a colleague of, from the ring, Tom Gray, yesterday, I think when you see certain countries like, you know, like Ukraine, when Usyk, Lomachenko, those type of guys, when they fight, the countries behind them, you know, like Manny Pacquiao in the Philippines, it stops. With Usyk, with what's going on in his his home country, this would be a huge thing for them to, to kind of, again, because of what's been going on, it was on the news all the time, and now it's kind of slipped back. It's all going on still, but we don't hear as much about it. So it's his moment to kind of reaffirm the you know, about his country and everything, and it'll be it'll be something where you know the Ukraine is as as much as it can come on stop with what's going on. It'll be huge for them because like if, you know Usyk, if he could if he could win this one, it would be it would it would reaffirm you know the first one what anybody said he's he's the man because obviously with Fury currently you know uh, not he's saying he's retired, it would make him the man at heavyweight without a doubt. Yeah, I guess the, the question then is, uh, well, I mean, we don't know what Tyson Fury's going to do, but we, do, we, do we know what Deontay Wilder's going to do? Because surely that's a fight in the making then. I think what will happen will be Deontay Wilder will fight October, November, and rumour is he's going to fight Robert Hellenius, who's coming off a couple of nice wins in America, and Hellenius is, is a very good fighter, but it was several years ago. He seems to have found an Indian summer, 
to get those wins over Adam Kaunaki, two of those, to put himself in line for this. And I think Wilder will fight uh, Hellenius for the for the vacant WBC title, um, and then you'll see a situation where he probably, you know, makes a defence or two. But there'll always be the talk of you know whether it's if it's Joshua. I think the fight might happen. Would they would try to make it happen sooner because those two have you know circled each other for so many years now. Um, and frankly, you'd be with both guys in their thirties. You'd be thinking, I don't really want to you know one of them to to to, you know, to come unstuck and lose, and we lose. A potentially excellent fight. I think with Usyk, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. That's a situation. You know, it will be interesting to see how that plays out because obviously Usyk against Wilder would be interesting because Usyk needs to be perfect for 12 rounds and box. And you'd think he'd have moments to to kind of light up Wilder, but he'd have to be exceedingly careful of not getting caught by that sledgehammer right hand. It's five away from ten here on SENZ and Extra Time Rumble on the radio. Ricardo Paul with you through till 11 o'clock. We've got another hour of this, but uh, before we uh, move on uh, and talk some football, some rugby league, some basketball and some rugby in the next hour, plus your calls, uh, this is what the uh, book looks like for that Joshua Usyk fight. Usyk is the favourite at $1.50. The draw, $14. Anthony Joshua paying $2.60. Alexander Usyk, points or decision, 262. TKO or knockout, 325. Joshua, points or decision, decision, 750. Knockout or TKO, 360. And the draw is paying $17. So there you go. Uh, that fight is Sunday morning New Zealand time and it is available on DAZN. It has just gone 10 o'clock here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Paul with you through till 11 o'clock. The phone lines are open 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Or you can text us on 8833. That is the temper bed post text machine. Uh, so much stuff going on at the moment. Of course, we had a big weekend in the Premier League. Uh, the results look like this Villa got up 2 1 over Everton. Southampton and Leeds drew two all. Southampton were two 0 down at home in that one. And got got back to get the draw. Arsenal beat Leicester four two. Brighton and Newcastle played out a nil all draw. So did Wolves and Fulham. Manchester City beat Bournemouth four nil. There was another four nil result this round. Brentford four Manchester United nil. An absolute disaster for Eric Ten Hag at Manchester United. Uh, Nottingham Forest uh, beat West Ham by a goal to nil. Chelsea and Tottenham played out a very feisty two-all draw that ended up with both managers getting sent off. And then this morning, Liverpool, speaking of sendings off, uh, they had their new signing £80 million uh, striker Darwin Nunez sent off for head-butting uh, Crystal Palace defender. Uh, Palace managed to, uh, well, 1-0 up at the point at that point in time. Liverpool managed to drag a goal back and uh, they drew one all, which... Um, uh, means that they've drawn both their opening games, uh, Liverpool, and uh, sit in the bottom half of the table. The table looks like this. Only two teams with uh, perfect records. Manchester City, two wins, uh, two games, two wins. Scored six, haven't conceded a goal yet. Arsenal, there with them as well. Two games, two wins. Scored six, conceded two. Then after them, you have a bunch of teams on four points with a win and a draw apiece. Uh, Brentford, Spurs, Newcastle, Leeds, Chelsea and Brighton. Uh, then Villa and Forest in ninth and 10th with a win and a loss apiece. Bournemouth also in there with a win and a loss apiece. 
uh, followed by Liverpool in 12th with two draws from two games. Fulham also two draws from two games. And then you have Wolves, Leicester, Crystal Palace and Southampton who have all drawn one and lost one. And finally, the bottom three of the table, Everton, West Ham and Manchester United, all having played two, lost two. That is how things look at the moment. I mentioned uh, it was testy between Antonio Conte and Thomas Tuchel, uh, the managers of Tottenham and Chelsea. Well, this is what they had to say post-match, starting with the home manager, Thomas Tuchel. That's an awful lot to ask you about. Let's start with a straight red card at the end. What happened? Well, I thought when you shake hands, we look into each other's eyes and Antonio had a different opinion. So it was emotional. He was happy when he equalised. I was then uh, got a bit heated, but nothing big. And I don't know. We, got, we, we both got a red card. Straight red. Yeah, we, we, I think it uh, was not necessary, but a lot of things were not necessary. So another poor decision from the ref today. You'd clashed earlier on in the game. What was the problem between you on the goal? No problem. You clashed and you were both booked beforehand, so there was a problem there. Yeah, no problem. That mean you don't want to talk about that one? No, no problem. No problem. It's emotional. It's football. You like it. Just don't need comments now and, and heat it up and heat it up. Just look at it. It's, it's the game. It's, it's Premier League. You love it, no? And we love it and we're emotional coaches at the sideline. That's it. Will you try and seek him out and shake hands later today? If we meet, we meet, and if uh, if not, not. It's not a problem. It's between it's between a football match. Come on, guys. It's it's between men. It's between two competitors, and nothing bad happened. What about the game itself? What's your view on that? We were brilliant. We were absolutely brilliant. Um, sorry, I have to say, but both goals cannot stand. Absolutely cannot stand. And. It's only one team who deserves to win. It's us. We were absolutely brilliant, and I'm sorry for my team that they don't get what they deserve. What did you object to on both goals? What was your complaint? First of all, it's a clear foul on Kai Havertz in the in, in the build-up. A clear foul. Like uh, uh, we had one tactical foul from Rhys James, got straight yellow. I don't know how many tactical fouls Hoiberg and and Ben Tancur did today. Nothing happened. Clear foul on Kai Havertz. Okay, situation goes on and on and on. Then it's clear offside from Richarlison. He's in the line of the shot. He even goes to the ball. He does not touch the ball. Edu cannot see the ball. They check it. It's clear offside. And since when can we pull hair on a football field? Since when is that? And we check it and nothing happens. We don't need to check anymore. It's ridiculous. Does that only add to your frustration and feeling hard done by that you were 2-1 with literally moments to go? It is the frustration. That's the only frustration. I'm the happiest I'm the happiest coach on earth because we played a fantastic match. We were absolutely brilliant. We dominated 90 minutes. We were sharp. We were hungry. We were like in all areas of the pitch, so disciplined and so full of quality. Like it was, it was a top, top, top performance. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for my players. Why did you take Georgino off? Was that straight after you made, you tried to do the drag back in the penalty area? Were the two related when they equalised? Sorry, again? When you took Georgino off, yeah. was that because he tried the drag back in the penalty area and they equalised from that? Or was it planned anyway? Were you about to take him off? No, it had nothing to do with the goal. I mean, it was, was anyway an offside goal, so how to blame Georgino for it? Um, no, 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 no. He was, he was tired. He gave a lot. And we want, uh, wanted uh, Ruben on the pitch because of his legs and his uh, height. And we had a, a tactical switch in, in, in the defending because they had four offensive players and played all in 
So it was a tactical change, nothing else. Speaking of tactics, how well did you feel today, your switches between a three at the back, a four at the back, a five at the back? How effective was that? Yeah, it, was, it was very good, but it, the execution was brilliant. It's not, never the plan, it's the execution. We attacked in a, in a back four and we defended in a back five. Uh, the guys were so good. I loved the execution, I loved the, the, the commitment and, and the intensity in it and, and the concentration level. I mean, it was a fantastic match on the second second day of the league. Everybody can be proud. I mean, everybody who was here is for sure happy that they that they observed a match like this. You said it's a game of emotions. Did we see that with your 30-yard run down the touchline? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, in the middle of it, I thought I should not do this. Of course, I'm, I'm sorry, but sometimes, uh, sometimes a match is like uh, gets gets you totally and this match totally sucked me in because it was a it was a fantastic effort and it was a brilliant goal and such an effort after after the undeserved equalizer and uh, I thought yeah it was pure joy but of course it may offend uh, other people on, on, on our opponents but of course they did the same and when they equalized it's not such a big deal there's a lot of needle between these two teams, isn't there? There's yeah, okay. bad feeling. Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, guys, be honest. You report like you report for days and days and days about it. How big a derby is this, and how long did they not win here? So you're in the middle of it, no? So you cannot be surprised. And then it's an emotional game. I mean, it's it's Tottenham at Chelsea, and uh, that's what it is. We're not complaining. Great entertainment. Yeah, good, uh, good. So finally, I agree. <laughs> Thanks, Thomas. There you go. That is Thomas Tuchel, the Chelsea manager, after he and Antonio Conte, the Spurs manager, were both sent off post-match uh, as their handshake got really weird. And, uh, of course, Antonio Conte is formerly the manager of Chelsea as well. This is uh, his take on what happened during the match. An extraordinary day. So many incidents, so much action. Let's start right at the end. Red card, straight red card for both coaches. What caused it to boil over, in your opinion? In my opinion, no, I think in my opinion it's better to to talk about the game. And the game was a, an exciting game and uh, was a, a difficult game uh, for, uh, for for both teams. But uh, you know, uh, we want to try in every game to be competitive. I think Chelsea showed it also. Uh, today to be a really, really good team, but uh, maybe uh, compared last season, uh, we did, uh, uh, in my opinion, we did uh, a, a bit, a bit well than uh, the last season. Yeah. I understand you want not necessarily to talk about the red card, but we've already spoken to Thomas Tuchel. He said the problem at the end he felt was that he, you didn't look him in the eye when you shook hands. No, but I repeat, I don't want to comment uh, the, the situation because. Uh, um, I think this is uh, uh, not the most important thing. And uh, if there is a problem, the problem is between me and, and him, not for the others. It looked as though that was the problem because you clashed twice. You were booked the first time, both of you, and the red card. It looked as though there is a problem between you. Yeah, but I repeat, uh, speak about the game, not about the situation, because um, we are here uh, to, to speak about football, not about. Uh, uh, Situation between the two the two coaches. Okay, hear what you say. First goal. When it's zonal marking like that, can you do anything different? Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, we we have to try to to analyze very well the situation, and uh, because uh, uh, there was uh, a lot of space uh, behind uh, uh, our uh, our line, uh, because uh, we we marked that zone, and uh, we left a lot a lot of. Uh, of space 
to attack uh, in uh, in a simple way for Kulibali, uh, no? Maybe, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And uh, uh, we have to try to to analyze well and to try to to find uh, improvement. They looked as though they were superior in the first half. What did you need to change at half time? What needed to change? What did you? But, uh, and, uh, for, for sure, and uh, to come here, I guess Chelsea away, and uh, you know, it's not simple. We are talking about a really good team, and uh, 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 it's normal uh, to come here and, uh, and uh, to, to suffer. But at the same time, I think that we created uh, also a situation uh, to, uh, to stay always into the game. And uh, but the difference, uh, the difference is clear uh, because Champions League uh, two years ago, World Cup uh, and the final FA Cup, final Carabao Cup, uh, third place last season. I think uh, there is difference between uh, uh, Chelsea and, and Tottenham. And, and I'm not, I'm not here to, to discover this, but we want to try to reduce this gap. And uh, we know that we have to work and to, to try to, to take uh, time. But at the same time, uh, last season uh, we lost three times. Now we we do and uh, a little step uh, forward. You didn't start with any of the new signings again today. Is there is there a reason? Is there a thinking behind that? I try to to make the best start eleven. There is no reason. I try to make the best start eleven. Lastly, do you think you fully deserved a point today? But um, this is uh, your uh, your opinion has to be your uh, judgment, not my judgment. Uh, I think that uh, uh, compared last season uh, we did uh, better, but uh, I think that if we want to to try to 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 create problems to Chelsea, we have to try to to be better. One last question I must ask you about: They're unhappy with both goals, but they're also unhappy with an incident where Christian Romero seemed to pull the hair of Mark Kukurea. Are you aware of this at all? Um, uh, um, I don't, I don't know about uh, um, uh, what what you are talking about. Uh, the, the last uh, there was an incident in the, just before the penalty, before the sorry, not uh, the penalty yeah. Yeah. on the corner. It looked like he pulled Kukurea's hair. Honestly, I didn't see. I didn't see. But there is the VR uh, to analyze the situation, and the VR was very clear uh, and uh, to continue the uh, the, the game without take a decision. Yeah, so there you go. It was a very much a, a heated, if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about, but uh, ended up with both benches emptying, emptying and all the players getting involved as well, finishing two all, and no doubt the uh, repeat of that game later in the season at the new Tottenham Stadium is going to be interesting. Earlier this morning, we saw Liverpool take on Crystal Palace. They'd drawn their first game of the season two all at Fulham, a team that had been odds-on to be relegated at the beginning of the season. If that was a surprise, it was even more of a surprise what happened in this morning's game. Crystal Palace took the lead against the run of play. Darwin Nunes, their £80 million signing, got sent off for headbutting a Crystal Palace defender. Liverpool pulled one back, but they are already four points adrift of title rivals. Manchester City, here's what manager Jurgen Klopp said post-match. Really good start in the game, exactly what we wanted. A lot of a lot of football, the kind of football we wanted to play, uh, a lot of desire. We wanted to put it right, um, all this kind of thing was all there. Um, unlucky in situations, um, of course. The, the, the game plan for Palace was obviously uh, defending deep and then going for counter attacks. We gave him that 
yeah, in the end two opportunities, but the first one, proper one, when we should have won the ball, obviously. Protection was actually right. We were the two v one situation, trend and Fab there, and then I think um, SS still gets out there, or whoever it was, and um, that should not happen, and then it's difficult in the last line with the speed of Saha. Um, yeah, so, but second half again, start a positive start, um, and then getting the red card. So I saw it now back, that's of course a red card. It's provoked all the time, but that's not what you know, how he should do it, how he should behave. And um, so, um, but then four minutes later, I think um, the equalizer, and then massive game from us um, against ten, with 10 men um, putting such a, an effort on pitch stadium was there was honestly the, the, the real feeling I have in the moment is, is I'm proud to be honest because um, everything went during the week against us it was crazy it was like a witch was in the building everybody told me every time somebody else um, um, had problems and then um, putting such a performance, especially with the in the circumstances, I'm really proud of that. We'll come on to the red card in a moment. You were so dominant, however, in the first half. What was your message to the players at halftime? Was it just more of the same? Yes, but it was not the, whole, the complete first half, at least as we saw it. Um, it was like the first 30, 35 minutes maybe, and then we started playing a little bit around. But um, that's actually... When you when you play against a 5-4 um, and you play these passes into half spaces, so then that makes no sense. That that there they have the the, 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 the better um, the better chance to win the ball. They only have to clear it and we have to control it. So um, we needed again more direction, get in behind this five line of five, and um, there we were really strong. And that's how then we could pick up second balls ourselves. And that's what what was the message. The red card for Nunez in the second half. How much in the end did he let his teammates down? Look, I've, he knows that now himself, um, and I've, I've, I will talk to him. It makes no sense when I talk now too much about it in public. You see it; it's uh, absolutely not not the reaction you want to you want to see. The, the, the challenge in the centre halves and Premier League will do that to him. They want to have him. He's a handful himself, and yeah, that's not a reaction. Perhaps most importantly, how will you, as manager, manage him now going forward through this? Yeah, there's no time. We get now another preseason. I don't know exactly how long it will be suspended, but um, that's the situation. And so we will use it for physical work, not as a punishment, just to make him even stronger. And that's what we will try. The way you got back into this game, perhaps it needed a special moment, such as the goal that Diaz scored, didn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Lewis played a super game, and then especially after the goal, he played for three, four players. It was unbelievable. He was nearly not to stop. And how I said, it was super intense, super intense game. And then with ten men, have to defend. Especially we don't we play the four-four-one if we want. Meant for him, Lujo defends the wing, um, where they tried to 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 cause us problems with the long balls there and then picking up the other second balls. So um, incredibly incredible goal, and of course it, we needed that. Um, then we had, I think, from the edge two nice opportunities. One with Fabio and one with Mo. Um, bit unlucky there. But um, in the end, it's a point that's not exactly what we wanted before the game, of course. But after this game, as all the things happened, um, we have to take it and that's what we do. On the plus side, what do you think of the contribution of Javier tonight? Top, top game. I saw so many, so many really good performances. It's a really tough game, and uh, especially for a technical player like him, and constantly in these kind of tight spaces, um, freeing yourself and these kind of things, he did really well. How much? of a concern is two points from two matches, especially given the way you perform tonight. It's not the start we wanted, but that's the moment actually my, my, the, my least of my problems because um, 
Oh, I said we have our own situation. It's really, it's really tricky in the moment um, with injuries and, and players with the little things and um, how you manage them and all those kind of things. So uh, we have to use the next week to, to maybe bring one or two back. I'm not sure if we can do that, but um, now we lost Darwin today. That doesn't help. But Bobby might be ready for, for next week again. So, um, yeah. It's not a concern. It's just a start. Um, in the end, um, if you have two points in, in August and it's uh, in, in May, then it's difficult. But uh, now, in the moment, it's fine. There you go, Jurgen Klopp talking about uh, two points from two games so far in the Premier League. The next game, Old Trafford against Manchester United, uh, already been dubbed a relegation battle by some. We'll see on that front. We'll see on that front. Maybe our tongues firmly planted in cheeks. It is 19 past 10 uh, here on SENZ Extra Time with you through till 11 o'clock. Uh, uh, your take on the Premier League this weekend. Have you got a takeaway? What did you make of the spat between the managers, uh, Tuchel and Conte, that ended in red cards for both of them? It's not something we see in New Zealand sport too often, particularly not in the uh, the oval ball code, but uh, certainly a lot of passion on the touchline. I did have a text coming from Brad earlier uh, saying from a Manchester United point of view, uh, it needs a complete restart. Forget about the brand and focus on the footy. Couldn't agree with you more, Brad. Keep your text coming through. Double eight double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Or you can call us 0800 150 811. At 25 past 10 here on SENZ Extra Time, Ricardo Ball with you through until 11 o'clock uh, this evening. And uh, we have our phone lines open 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811. Or you can text us on double eight double three, the Temper Bed Post text machine as well. We've been talking tonight uh, fight sports, we've been talking boxing, we've been talking now uh, the USIC Joshua fight that is coming up this weekend. We've been talking NPC and all the uh, players being released back to uh, their provinces this weekend, 14 of them, three of them to counties, which is going to be interesting. Nipo Laulala, Hoskins Satutu and Dalton Papali'i back with them. Uh, does that change your thoughts on counties versus Waikato? It is in Pukekohe, so, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's not bad. Not bad money at 260 I think, they were paying. Um, might be worth a nudge. Might be worth a nudge, Ben. What do you reckon? Oh... I'm not too sure, to be honest. I, I need to probably investigate it a bit further, but uh, I know counties, they're really relying on local talent this year uh, and the facts. I think they've done a lot better than people anticipated, especially in uh, the Shield Challenge. I know they had a bit of a late run there, but they, they are doing a bit better than uh, people thought, so there's no reason to. Uh, I've been kind of thinking it would probably be good to get along to a game this year. Yeah, we're, I mean, you're a Harbour boy, aren't you? I live in the Harbour region, but mm. my I am a Northland uh, oh, supporter, Taniwha, right. man. So will you be be pleased to know that the Taniwha have got a couple back as well this weekend? Uh, I think they have got Goodhue back and Tuanga Farsi as well. Um, so a couple of, couple of the all-black wider squad members. Well, I like Campbell said earlier, we've got a bit of a iffy record against Wellington in Wellington. Um, remember a couple of years ago, they were going all right and they went down to Wellington and got pumped by 40. I think this one's at Harbour. Oh, sorry, no, you're talking about Northland, aren't you? You're yeah. Sorry, I'm not, nah. I keep, I keep nah. thinking Harbour for some reason. Nah, sorry. No, not, sorry, sorry. North Harbour. You yeah. disowned me, but now nah, I'm a Taniwha boy. Taniwha boy. All right. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting. Uh, Mark has called up from Sydney. G'day, Mark. How are you? Hey, good, Ricardo. How you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. What do you want to talk? Well, uh, three things mainly. 
I'm extremely uh, pleased with the basketball league in New Zealand. It went really well. I'm a Nelson Giants man myself, so I was hoping they'd make it to the final, but uh, unfortunately they didn't. But it was still excellent play right through the semi so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it all turns out. And I think New Zealand basketball should be given very big plaudits for how well they've put together the basketball league there in New Zealand, with, and you can see it with how popular it is. Yeah, so, it's uh, actually you know do you know Justin Nelson uh, who uh, fronts the uh, the Hoopheads show that we do on a Wednesday Hoopheads. night. Yeah, yep. and and the commentator. Yep. Well, he used yep. to be. He's a commentator now, and he because he, he loves his basketball. But he used to be the head of the the general manager of the NBL here. Um, he's the All one right. that turned it around into what it is now, basically. Well, nice. Is it? Is there any way to get Nelson Giants matches online where I can listen to them, like on SENZ maybe, or any other way you may know? Uh, not that I'm sure. Not that I'm aware of off the. Off the top of my head, I know that we carried um, all the top six games because it, it goes to a top six over here. So uh, one and two have a buy if you like. Uh, three yep. plays six, four plays five. We had those commentaries. And then the winners okay. of those games play one and two in a semi-final setup. We had those commentaries, and then we had the final commentary as well. So all of those will probably be available on the SEN website somewhere, SENZ website somewhere, I would imagine. Uh, you should be able to find okay, those. And you'd probably be able to, if you looked on YouTube, I would imagine, uh, find Sky Sport may have, may have put highlights up as well. True. Okay, number two, mm. I think with regard to the All Blacks, this whole mess over the coaching uh, debacle, I think the administration within uh, the NZRU needs to just uh, basically get the flick and they need to start over with the administration because Mark Robinson, with that going nowhere press conference, it was just an utter embarrassment. You know, it's like he just has this presser and all he says is basically 20 different ways and no comment. Yeah, he's um, he's not not particularly well uh, uh, regarded over these the, these parts, mate. To be fair, and you know it goes back to when we beat Australia three times last season uh, in the Bledisloe, and over here everybody thought, well, you know, if uh, Lotusio had had his um, kicking boots on in that first test, we probably would have lost it. Uh, and, you know, we played all right, but we hadn't played great guns. Everybody was like, we really want to see how we go against South Africa because they're, you know, from our yep. point of view, that's the benchmark. They're the world champions. Yep. Uh, that's who you've got to beat to win a World Cup. And they decided yep. to renew them before we played South Africa, which felt yeah. like, to, uh, to me at least, uh, as a, an opportunity to renew them and not be questioned because they could just point it as recent record. Um, but I think yeah. I think it was a mistake. They needed to do it probably after the uh, rugby championship rather than do it That's beforehand. Right. And that that was really I think a mistake that they made. And you know, there's been quite a few people here who have been uh, very critical of um, uh, of the board. In fact, Steve Devine, the former All Black halfback, who comes on a bit and and uh, and has a, has a few chats, has said that you know once they sack uh, Foster, they should sack themselves. That, those were his words. Absolutely, absolutely. They need to get the uh, Crusaders coach in as All Blacks coach because, I mean, you can't argue with six premierships he's won with the Crusaders. They just need to... I think they need new blood, new ideas, new gameplay, and a whole new approach. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They're still trying to play the game they were they were playing, you know, sort of 20 years ago, you know? And if you look at that's right. uh, the way that they lost that semi-final uh, at the Rugby World Cup last time out, 
they're they're effectively you know still trying to win that game but with the way they're playing, but the game's moved on, and it needed a fresh voice. I mean, that's the thing I think you know. And Foster's not a bad bloke by, by 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 any stretch of the imagination. Everything I understand about him is he's a good bloke. But he was part yeah. of that setup for so long. I mean, at the time, I thought it was uh, I thought they were right for a change. And when they named him, I thought, yeah. but you know, he's a stale voice. He's been there what eight years that's or something. Right. So uh, it, it didn't make sense to me at the time. But yeah, that's right. And number three. I think, I mean, I'm a rugby league fan as much as anybody here in Sydney and especially a Warriors fan, seeing I'm half Kiwi myself. But I think both in Australia and New Zealand, more so over here, I think there's a lot of players who need a good reality check and a good boot up the rear end too to knock some sense into them. Because, I mean, they've just had a guy in Newcastle, Caleb Ponger, I think it is. Yep. He's just been He's just been busted walking out of a toilet with one of his teammates and it's suspected they were doing drugs and then you get a guy from the gold coast titans uh he was caught vaping and he puts it online i think it was on tiktok he's sitting in a toilet cubicle vaping and he put it on tiktok and he had his uh, contract torn up and then you just had some guy who used to be with manly there was a court case today and he got uh charged for knifing a elder in the back of a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints mm. two or three years ago. Manasseh now like, is that him? That's the guy. Well, fine guy. I should say, yeah, yeah. Yep. And this whole debacle with Manly with the Pride jersey, I just think the NRL needs to take a very big step backward and say, okay, reality check time, and we really need to work seriously at that. But they're trying to pump up so much hype and PR, their feet are not on the ground at all. It's like they're way past the stratosphere in terms of where their feet are, and they've just lost all touch in a lot of ways with reality. And I just think they need to uh, take a big step back, have a good reality check in all dimensions of rugby league, both administration and on the paddock here in New South Wales. I did think it was uh, interesting that... You know, there's that uh, Manasi Fainu who you talked about who's gone to jail for stabbing um, that church leader. Yeah. Um, he obviously played at Manly. Now, Manly on the weekend played the Titans. When they scored, yep. a try, it was, I think it was their first try scorer, he stood up and celebrated. And it's been sh- he's shown doing all these signs, uh, hand signals. Yeah. And apparently it's yep. all in support of this guy who's in jail, right? Um, yep. So their their support signs. So these guys don't have any problems supporting a guy who's in jail for stabbing a church elder with hand signals, but they won't wear a rainbow jersey because it's the same blokes. Yeah, I mean it's like I'm I'm not trying to throw stones at anybody who doesn't share my beliefs, but you know, being a Christian myself, I don't go for a um, same sex marriage or same sex lifestyle or anything like that. But. Um, you know, I don't ram what I believe down other people's throats. And these guys, when the Pride jersey debacle happened before this mess with this trial today, they were standing up for what they believed in. They weren't ramming what they believed down, ramming what they believe in down other people's throats. They were simply standing up for what they believed in. And I can respect that. And then we've got an absolute drop kick over here as our New South Wales State Treasurer, a guy by the name of Matt King. And... Um, he got up and he just stuck his head right in the middle of this mess when no one wanted to hear from him, which happens a lot over here because he just puts his head in where you know nobody wants to hear him just for the sake of promoting his own PR, where he says, 
he just absolutely puts the boot into these guys, reckons they're being homophobic, bigoted, because they don't share the belief that uh, everybody else does. And then he hopes next year that the Mighty Dragons win and they were a project. You know, he's, he's just basically putting the boot into these guys, trying to hop on the um, let's put the boot into them bandwagon because, you know, to him, they're not standing up for their beliefs. They're just being homophobic, bigoted, you know. Well, I think, uh, to be crazy. honest, Mark, I, I reckon he's probably right based on what we've just seen. You know, I mean, if well, you, you can that, have you can have beliefs and you can go, you, you can talk about what they believe in, right? And you can go, you're going to stand up for that belief by not wearing the jersey. If they did that, uh, and they did that alone. I wouldn't have a problem with it. But then when they go and make signs, which I don't know if they're gang-related signs or whatever, but hand signs to show support for a guy who's just gone to jail for stabbing a church elder, you got to think, well, where are your priorities? What is right? What is wrong? Do you really know? Well, yeah, well, that's right. I mean, like you said, with the standing up for what you believe in, I agree with that. But with, And that was before what they did today. But when they're making all these hand signs and signals and things like that, you know, that's going to need further investigation on my part to find out what that's all about. But um, bottom line, like I said, I think the NRL, from the administration all the way down to players on the field, needs to take a big step backward, needs to take a good reality check and rein in this mess because it's just doing not only a PR nightmare for the uh, rugby league you know, the New South Wales Rugby League and the NRL, but it's really going to undermine the game's popularity here, in, especially in uh, Sydney, if they let this kind of mess keep going unchecked without reining it in. Yeah, good stuff, Mark. Hey, thanks for your call, mate. Go well. Thanks a lot. Cheers, okay. uh, Mark, out of Sydney there with us. 0800 150 811 is our number, 0800 150 811, or you can get us on double eight double three twenty three 23 away from 11. It's 19 away from 11 here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11. And, of course, there's been a lot of talk over the uh, last few weeks about the future of Ian Foster. We should get, be clearer on that at some point this week. Not entirely sure when, but uh, it will hopefully be before Friday uh, because you need to give whoever's going to do the job for, uh, for, for the All Blacks against the Pumas an opportunity uh, to get that team together and figure out what it is they are going to do. So when will it be announced? Who knows? But Matt Williams is an Australian rugby coach. He has coached uh, the Waratahs. He's coached uh, Leinster, Ulster, uh, a few other teams over in Europe as well, and I think in Japan too. So he's been around, uh, and he's had a few things to say about Foster and the way NZR have treated him. Winning at Ellis Park uh, is is one of the hardest assignments in world rugby. It's at altitude. Uh, I think you can see that with with uh, the kicking, how far the ball travels. There's literally there's just less oxygen. That's just a fact. And it, it what it does, it makes it very hard on teams that aren't used to it. The South Africans are used to it, and obviously teams from Australia and New Zealand and Ireland, where you're at at sea level, it makes it unbelievably hard. I've been there four times and lost on all four occasions with with uh, the Waratahs and with Emerging Wallabies. It's it's a really, really tough joint. Um, I, I actually text Andy Friend when Connacht won there this year and just said, well, that's, gonna, that's one of Connacht's great wins because it is such a hard place. And the other part about New Zealand, they played magnificent rugby. Their first try, Sam Kane's try, the, the build-up to it is as good as anything you'll ever see. Will they get credit in New Zealand? Look, the New Zealand media and the general rugby public have been... Vile, and I, I use that word 
uh, I choose to use that word. They've been unfair and they've attacked the players and the staff personally. They've even, uh, you know, attacked the way they look, their physical appearance. I mean, it's been, it's just been horrific. It's nothing any um, sports person should have to endure because they haven't done anything wrong. They've just lost games, right? So they haven't, like, acted in, in a, a, a manner that's brought... Uh, 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 disrespect to the to the jersey. They've gone out and tried the hardest. hasn't been good enough, right? So that's they've, they've lost five from six. But the way they've been uh, pilloried and and humiliated in the New Zealand media and social media is something that all of us in rugby need to call out and say that's that's just not acceptable. And and, and former former New Zealand players, former All Blacks are saying the same thing. I uh, in and to get to your point, will it be enough? Uh, back the, the most one of the best papers I've ever read on uh, coming out of rugby was a review of the New Zealand defeat in the quarterfinal of the 2007 World Cup when France beat New Zealand in Cardiff and knocked them out. And everyone was calling for the sacking of uh, Graham Henry and Steve Hansen, who were the coaches then. The New Zealand Rugby Union did a thorough review. They didn't sack the coaches. They, they, the review was magnificently written, pointed out to failure in leadership in a lot of areas, including the New Zealand Rugby Union and the players. They kept the coaches and they won the next World Cup. There is a lot of pressure on the New Zealand Rugby Union to sack Ian Foster. Whether they will, traditionally, I would have said no, they won't. But I, there is a huge amount of pressure. I do very much feel for Ian Foster. I, I, I really sympathise for him. What he's enduring is not what any coach should have to endure. Yeah, so there you go. That is uh, Matt Williams talking about his take on uh, Ian Foster and the criticism, I guess, he's he, he's coming under Ben. I mean, you know, it is a professional sport. I don't. I haven't seen anybody personally attack Foster. I've seen a lot of people uh, have a crack at his coaching record and his coaching ability, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah, they they are two completely different things. As we touched on, yes, there has been lots of criticism towards Foster. And I think lots of the questions that come around in terms of, we go back to the end of last year uh, when they lost those two games, and it's taken them those two games, the three games against Ireland and one against South Africa, for them to actually so, show something different and actually improve mm. because there'd been no improvement. And when you look at the history of the All Blacks, it's such a prestigious history. They've had, they have such a high win rate that doesn't matter. Even one loss when you don't win a World Cup, when you don't win the Tri Nations, you are going to come under scrutiny. And that's just the nature of the beast and being in the biggest job you could say in rugby, in terms of being in that All Blacks coach. So when you're not living up to those expectations and up to those standards, of course you're going to come under criticism. And then when you're declining, other teams are creating history while you're in charge. Argentina, Ireland, of course this is going to happen. New Zealand also dropped to their lowest world ranking. Uh, I kind of look at other sports, for example, I think of the Premier League and coaches are under scrutiny all the time, even the NBA. It's, it's just part of those sports, and I guess it's a bit different in, in rugby, just the way things are done. Coaches aren't usually sacked midway through the season. I think it's just part of the beast, and... The thing, the regards to the criticism, I agree. It's not necessarily from media as such. Yes, media have, have criticised, but that's their job. Mm. Public do take it a bit too far, but I think that's the age of social media as well. 
that we that's also the society we live in we just live in a society that loves to criticize you just go back to the start of covid and people lashing out at the poor supermarket workers just because that's what they have to do no one knows what's going on and the poor supermarket workers are getting abused because there's not enough toilet paper out yeah well you know that is that is a that is a fair point i do wonder whether or not matt williams was triggered by all this going on as well because he also had a stint as scotland coach he was only the second australian ever coach in the six nations uh he was sacked after two years and he had a record of three wins from 17 games and those three wins came against Japan, Samoa, and Italy. So Foster has, well, I guess you can just go back and you look at the teams that, how you just look at, you could easily say this performance on the weekend was his best yep. as always coach, but it's taken it this long to get to this stage, which I think has probably been the frustrating thing. And when you're, supposedly building towards a Rugby World Cup and you're not seeing improvement, of course you're going to be worried. I mean, the other thing that a lot, not a lot has been made of either is this wasn't the best Springboks team. Like, the best no. Springboks team was last week. They did this against the Welsh, remember? Won the first test, changed, I mean, they changed a lot more, they changed 14 for that one, uh, and then went back to their strongest team for the third test. Well, they didn't quite change that many with us, but they certainly, you know, not playing Malcolm Marks from the start, you know, having him come off the bench. Dwayne Vermeulen, who hadn't played rugby in I don't, can't remember how long because he's had an injury. Fuff the clerk injured. Yeah, Fuff the clerk injured. They threw Dwayne Vermeulen straight in from the start, not even off the bench. So, yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, I think the All, Black, uh, the All Blacks were done a little bit of a favour by some of the South African selections as well. And I know the one point that you've touched on before, and I think it's a completely valid point, was the comment which I think has frustrated people was last year when... Foster said, well, South Africa have lost five games this year and Australia have lost X amount as well. And you think, okay, you're the All Blacks, you've always been on that high pedestal and you're comparing yourself to lower opposition, one team that actually had not played any rugby since the Rugby World Cup final, and that would nearly nearly been two years. Uh, uh, there's just a couple of comments in there as well, which even the comment after that first test and saying it was the most improved, yes, well, sorry, it was their best performance, and then he retracted and said most improved and it's just the timing of all the comments and I know we go back to the press conference uh, after the Irish series it was just a statement mm. and people saying that was when they needed to front and then this time was this was the time you should have just done a statement it's just every everything going on around not not just Ian Foster the organization yeah 100% agree 100% agree the organization definitely needs looking at uh, because this has come from the top and you know, if they really had it together, uh, we wouldn't be in this situation because, oh, A, I don't think he would have gotten the job, or B, they, they would have reviewed at the right time and made the correct decision, and none of those things have happened as yet. It is 10 away from 11 is the text line. Tell us your thoughts on Foster uh, and what Matt Williams said there. You got any sympathy for him? And who do you think will be the coach of the All Blacks? In that first test against the Pumas, double eight, double three, or oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. It's five away from eleven here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you, and uh, we're just about to wrap things for the night. So thanks very much for tuning in, and uh, thanks for giving us your time. Thanks for calling through. Uh, we've had a few callers uh, through this evening giving us their thoughts on uh, a myriad of things, from rugby league to rugby union. Uh, to football, so thank you to all of you guys. We'll be back again tomorrow night 
uh, from 7 o'clock with extra time. We're going to have a look at the Heartland Championship, which kicks off this weekend. Kevin here is going to join us, and uh, we'll do a, a real breakdown of which teams to look out for and uh, who might be uh, worth checking out and maybe having a wee tickle on at the TAB. We'll have a few, look at a few other things as well, including... Uh, the basketball with hoop heads because uh, Justin Nelson and Casey Frank will be in from 9 to 10 and we'll wrap the Sales NBL final series. We'll catch up uh, with Sam over in Chicago and get the latest in the NBA trades as well. All of that and more tomorrow night here on Extra Time. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.